relatively recent development in uh-huh. Montana where it's become legal. Yep. Um, and so I was asking her about it and I guess like the for last year there, uh, what, what was it? Um, it was like really under publicized, but they've already had like a couple public health scares. Really? Like yeah. listeria or yeah, something from, from like one particular farm. Had like had a little outbreak with like nine people getting sick last year that with very little press. I've but. always been curious about that. I I got raw milk one time in Montana and it was like a it felt like a sketchy back door. We like met up in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was great milk. They had awesome eggs too. I mean it was really cool to like meet the farmer and everything and they told us all about the farm, but it was just a it's a funny situation how you have to get milk and it's like it's different in every state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a I mean the place I go to, it's literally like I mean it's right downtown. You, it's it's right across from I won't say where, but yeah. like um, it's it's like a shed in the back of yeah. someone's house, <laughs> and uh, you just kind of walk in, and there's like a, a fake lock on the door, and you, you go in, and you walk in, and there's all these mounts, and you know, nice. it's like a, it's a, you walk in, you're like, okay, this is an interesting spot, and open this refrigerator, and it's just this glorious like just beaming light of, of, of raw dairy products. Amazing. I'll, I'll have to get that location from you <laughs> <Yeah>. off, <laughs> off there. It's great. It's great. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've been kind of bullshitting over the last couple months about how, how we're approaching our diets and whatnot. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a good place to, to build off this conversation. I mean, what, what, what's, in, what's inspired your, nutrition journey over the last few years um well i sort of dove into it it, five years ago i started exercising for the first time and just attaining more information like learning more about it um podcasts and whatnot and i think my first thing that i dove into was intermittent fasting which was like it was eye-opening to me that i could have such control over how I felt my mental clarity and my body. And, um, that was really what inspired me to just like take total control of my health. And, um, in the end I realized intermittent fasting wasn't for me. It actually kind of wrecked my hormones. I think, um, how long were you doing it? I did it often. Both like for like the duration on a daily basis and like for, I never did long-term fasting. It was just like, um, like eight sixteen, like only eat for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes I'd go like up to 20 hours without eating and I would feel amazing when I did it. Like I could drive, I didn't need caffeine. Like I could write, like there was just a lot of like focus and clarity that came out of that. The mental side was my favorite part. I wasn't trying to lose weight or anything. I was, I've always been like relatively thin without having to worry about that. And, um, but I did end up losing weight by doing mm-hmm. it. I got down to like 140 pounds, which was pretty small on your frame. Pretty small for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was running a lot um, at the time, so I think I was just I was just burning a lot more calories than I ever had, and not consuming as many because I, ever since I was like 12, I think I'd been 5'11 or six foot and 155 pounds. Like that was literally what I'd been my entire life. Didn't matter what the hell I ate. And once I started fasting, I definitely lost weight. And I was like, okay, I got to I got to get back out of this. I got to build some muscle, build something back. Cause I was getting cold all the time. I was getting sick all the time and the benefits weren't really outweighing what was happening to my body. So, um, and how, how old were you at, at the, when you started that 
five years ago, so I was 26 or seven. Gotcha. And I had pretty much, like I'd always thought that I had been eating like relatively healthy. Um, I didn't just like gorge candy at any point in my life. Um, but uh, after the intermittent fasting, I I started to, I wanted to build body weight back, body mass back. So I started lifting more, less running, less cardio and um, eating more. I figured out what like the bulk and cut cycle was and I just thought bulking was so much fun. I just never <laughs> stopped. <laughs> um, but that kind of led me down a path to finding uh, like a meat-based diet and keto. I never really went full keto. I thought it was cool because you kind of got some of the same effects mentally as intermittent fasting. Um, but that is, I mean, that's on the days, because some days, you know, I'll, and I'm sure you've experienced too, where it's just like you're, you've got sound check, you've got, you know, load in, and it's like you probably don't even have an opportunity to eat sometimes, exactly. you know, and I would hazard a guess that lots of those days, like midpoint in the show, if you haven't eaten all day, there's probably a lot of time where like your mental acuity is fucking on point. It, it really is. And <laughs> you know? just using the skill set that I learned from intermittent fasting where I can control, I can suppress that like hanger feeling. Mm -hmm. I can recognize it, realize it's there and suppress it, not necessarily suppress it, but like I can manage it a lot better than I used to be able to. And so just having some of those tool sets are are helpful on the road because mm -hmm. there's a lot of periods of time where we can't eat mm -hmm. and you got to function. Yeah. What do you, so, I mean, we've kind of chatted about it on text, but like, what's your, what's your strategy for maintaining, you know, your ideal diet and weight when you're constantly in the van? Yeah. So for the last couple of years, um, it's just as far as diet goes after I did the intermittent fasting, and all that I've kind of settled on like an animal based diet. Um, sort of, uh, what like Paul Saladino does mm -hmm. carnivore MD, uh, meat, fruit, honey, that sort of thing. I do like sourdough bread too. I always, that's kind of my guilty pleasure yeah. that I add into that <laughs> diet. Um, gotta have one. Yeah. But so I, on the road, I bring a grill with me and we have a fridge in the van that keeps everything pretty cold. So I'll stock up, I'll go to try to find a local farm, get milk, get meat, get dairy, get whatever I can. And, um, I'll sorry. I'll grill yeah. most nights on the road. If we're getting, we, I mean, we get provided a dinner usually. Um, and if it's, if I can get like a good burger, sometimes it's, sometimes it's really good food. Sometimes it's just total trash. Right. So, um, I'd say three out of five shows a week, I'm probably grilling outside the venue <laughs> with all the people standing in line <laughs> to get in. <laughs> it's pretty funny sometimes. Our, uh, have you found it's pretty, uh, pretty accessible to get what you need? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll, it regionally it's some regions are easier than others. Anytime we're through like the Southeast, like there's so many farms everywhere and we'll always try to find like co-ops and whatnot near the venue. And you can usually find enough places like that. But Is your team pretty supportive of this? They make fun of me every single day for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that I'm just like the meat guy in the band now, but, uh, Torin kind of follows along. He does some of that stuff too. And he like likes to go on the trends that I do at some point. So it's fun. What have you, what have you found? Like what are, what are the positives and the negatives? Where, where are things, where you want to optimize? Um, definitely just like overall feeling on the road. Um, most of it is for longevity. Really. I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy for my kids, for my family. 
that's really my main goal for myself. I want to be uh, not just live a long time, but be functionally living for a long time and not be inhibited by my body or my health or a disease. Disease prevention is a huge one, as you are well aware. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think also just the physicality of being on the road, getting lifting weights has drastically changed my life. Eating more meat has drastically changed my life. I feel like I'm a much more functional human being. And do I you, uh, I mean, do you have management find you hotels with gyms or how, how does it, <laughs> uh, I actually, I'm the hotel guy. So I book all the hotels <laughs> and, uh, like a prereq <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> we have like a Bonvoy, uh, Marriott Bonvoy, uh, credit card and all that stuff. So we, we pretty much strictly stay at, at Bonvoy's and they almost all have decent gyms mm. with weights or whatever we need. That's, it makes such a difference when you're Huge traveling difference. like that. Yeah. Sometimes the schedule is a little bit limiting, but I find that even Fuck, five and a half hours yeah. of sleep and 45 minutes of gym is better than six and a half hours of sleep and no gym. Hell yeah. So, but that is definitely a struggle is finding, finding the gym time and uh, get enough sleep on the road. What, uh, what do you like to do in the gym? I usually, uh, if they have like the cable machines I'll do, or a sled, I really like to start my workouts with like a backwards sled pull. Um, like, do you know knees over toes guy? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been loving all of his exercises lately. And so I'll usually do that as a warm up, and then, or if they don't have a sled, you can walk backwards on a treadmill, uh, that's not on. And, uh, so I'll do that. And then I'll usually do like, a probably 30 minutes of like weightlifting deadlifts, upper body, lower body. I kind of, I don't usually do like one thing every day. I'll usually try to do like everything. Um, and then I'll finish it off with a zone two, uh, like inclined treadmill or something like that, or a jog outside. I really like the zone two workouts. That really makes my brain feel better throughout mm -hmm. the day. I feel like I get a lot of clarity out of that. What do you think about, uh, what do you think it is about the backwards walking and that, that, that like really sets it apart? I would have to reference mm -hmm. everything that, uh, knees over toes guy has done. Um, but have you seen, have you, have you seen this? Have you heard of this? Like the, the soleus pushups, if you're just sitting, yes, I just know? saw that yesterday. Actually, <laughs> it's like yeah. a little hack to like control your glucose levels or something. Like just doing really it. okay. Yeah. I I just saw like a video about it, but I, I didn't go further into it than that. And so I wonder, like, because I've started kind of doing, well, uh, my cardio. Can I hate cardio? It's like yeah. you know, it's one of the last things that I ever like pay attention to. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that I have to do something like kind of weird or off the wall to like get any enjoyment out of it you yeah. know and whether that's like sprinting so i can like get it over quickly <laughs> i've been a big fan of sprinting lately. you know yeah. or uh you know setting setting the uh setting the treadmill on an incline and walking backwards for like mm -hmm. 15 20 minutes yeah. it's like so much more entertaining oh so you, you turn know? it on on mm -hmm. an incline and walk backwards yeah and and try to get i kind of try to get kind of brisk with it Cool. I, don't, I mean, I'll have to try that. It, it, it like, you know, helps you like lean forward. Feels like it's, it's working with like, like some stabilizing muscles and, mm -hmm. you know, I have to like kind of pay attention so that I don't like fall off the back of the treadmill. And, it used to be that I felt, um, I felt compelled. Like I just couldn't do cardio without like going and getting stoned before or something. It was like, felt like pulling, totally. pulling weeds, you know? Yeah. Um, and 
if I can find some way to maintain engagement, you know, to where it's like, if I'm not engaged in this, I'm going to hurt myself. Or like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, you can but, totally just like get in those zones and like kind of forget what you're doing, which is helpful sometimes in cardio, but not if you're on a treadmill and can like hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, those cable machines, man, like that. Uh, so this dude came across my, my business partner, Henri told me about this guy, Doug Brignoli, like mm-hmm. 18 months ago. And Doug, uh, was a like three time Mr. Universe like, into, okay. into his, uh, you know, fifties, mm-hmm. um, jacked bodybuilder, you know, but, and, and had gone through every aspect of the fitness industry that, that you could, you know, from having his own gym to, um, to competition and all points in between. And then like, you know, putting out bunch of literature he made this book um called the uh the physics of resistance exercise okay um you probably dig it yeah um he basically went in worked with a bunch of physicians bunch of uh biomechanics to look at how muscles move according to their origins and insertion points and what the appropriate most effective way of of getting uh you know any kind of any kind of work mm-hmm. out of your muscle. And when you look at, you know, what people have, what's like really sexy in the fitness industry and you see things like CrossFit or, you yeah. know, you, you have these one rep max, like Olympic style fucking <laughs> things that people are so committed mm-hmm. to, you know, proving to themselves or, you know, to their buddies in the gym or whatever, yeah. you know, they like have to go and do these exercises that are, like objectively, I mean, painful and bad for you and, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and everyone, and it's like this badge of honor to walk around like sore, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and like a good workout, like shouldn't necessarily leave you like not wanting to work out. No, you know? <laughs> I hate it when I do that to myself. It's yeah. awful. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, Doug Brignoli came up with basically a series of movements that, um, focuses on the like isolating certain muscle groups. So a lot of, you know, when you're looking at like a Romanian deadlift or you're looking Mm -hmm. at, um, you know, any of these, just the typical movements you, you think of when you think of Olympic style weightlifting, these are like compound movements, you know, so you're kind of tricking yourself and others into, into thinking that one particular part of your body is stronger than it really is, you know, where you're actually like accessing all these other muscles, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and do a squat. Yeah, you know, totally. as opposed to using utilizing cables and proper physics, mm-hmm. and like and looking at how your body actually moves. You know, everybody wants to do these like overhead presses and stuff, and it's like, when do we do this? Yeah, like we, it was probably really valuable we do, when we, we swung from, this when we swung from yeah. trees. You know, but like. There's not like a lot of occasions in life where like <laughs> push it straight up, <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, so there's, it's, it's a lot of points like that, that, that he really touches upon. Cool. And you know, when you, when you break it down, it's, you know, just like the carnivore diet, it's, it's all, it all goes back to like, what's, what's evolutionarily appropriate, you know, exactly. like what got us here. Yep. I mean, started thinking about, uh, like you having a baby soon, or mm-hmm. I guess your wife having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, started looking at, at, at the, just the, this view of life of like, how, how does it originate from the beginning? Cause obviously like you can go and talk about what our ancestors may have done, Yeah. you know, like what are you, what's, what's, what's your viewpoint from how, 
you know, this, this child is going to mm-hmm. come about. And- yeah. We've, I mean, we dove into it just, it's been crazy to see how much the birth experience has changed in the last a hundred years and how now, I mean, before the turn of the century, it wasn't a medical event. It was a natural process, like taking a crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot more intensive yeah. than taking a crap, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't this big medical event. There was a lot higher death rates, infant death rates, mother's death rates, obviously. Um, and the medical field has helped that significantly. But um, the quickness that they want to get you into all of these inf- interventions through labor and delivery is has been kind of mind-blowing because we didn't know any of this going i mean we thought you just went to the hospital and had a baby (laughs) and it's been a whole nother process (laughs) than that um but so we are trying to do we're trying to do a natural home or not home birth but a natural birth which is just how women would have done it Mm -hmm. in the past uh but we will be at a hospital um north carolina has some interesting like home birth laws ideally we'd like to do a home birth next and it's possible there it's just very hard to get in to see to get a midwife, it's like a very long waiting list. So we're giving birth with a midwife at a hospital, and we have a doula, which has been amazing. Anybody out there giving birth, I highly recommend a doula over like anything else. What? So what is that? What is she, what is she or he or? Um, she is sort of just like an advocate for the mother, or the family. Because um, once you go, once the mother goes into labor, uh, she doesn't necessarily have the same thoughts that she had before and will like could immediately ask for an epidural or what or a c-section mm-hmm. or whatnot and the the doula is there this is one one of the doula's roles is to just advocate for the mother to the doctors or the midwife and just make sure that her needs that she requested prior to the birthing experience are are met and that they're following their birth plan as well as they can barring any medical emergency obviously mm-hmm. um and then in addition to that she's helping me with like um just physically during labor helping helping my wife through the whole labor process and um just a lot of support in that general area but highly recommend we've we've had several prenatal meetings with her so far and it's it's been extremely helpful and we haven't even gotten to the birth yet so yeah yeah can't recommend it enough what's uh what's betsy's diet like um ideal (laughs) yeah well so she's been a vegetarian for a long time and <laughs> I'm probably not supposed to say this on air, but well, she you can, you can edit it. If you okay. Want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say it and then I'll ask her if it's okay. Uh, she st- started incorporating meat into her diet because of the health, her health and the health of the baby. Mm. Uh, there's so many essential nutrients that you cannot get from a plant-based diet uh, for pregnancy. The fetus needs mainly glycine, choline, a lot of things that are in eggs. Eggs are huge. So if you can have you can, a vegetarian pregnancy can be successful. I don't think that there can be a successful vegan pregnancy. I truly believe that. And that was she's been doing vegan. No, she she. I don't think she ever actually went vegan. She likes eggs and cheese too much. Um, well, yeah, it's like I mean, you can't get the like you know the like bioavailable iron from exactly from beans. Yeah, so know. she's incorporated liver um, supplements. Mm into her diet she hasn't gone full full raw yeah, liver yeah. we'll get there, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, no i don't know she she watched me do it the other day and it was like super disgusting but um it but, gets better yeah it's, it's not it's not that big of a deal yeah but know? we've been doing soups and stuff bone broth i've been making bone broth and 
slow cooked meats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's really helped her through her pregnancy. She's had a very so far smooth pregnancy, no weird cravings, no morning sickness. And I think that is totally just related to nutrient deficiencies Mm -hmm. that people have on not ideal diets. Dude, I literally saw a video this morning of a side by side of two placentas. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and have you seen this? No, like one but of them, I believe one it. One of them was was from um, you know a plant based mm-hmm. diet, and one of them was from an animal based diet. Yeah, and a striking difference. Yep. You know, I mean, one of them just deep, rich red. The other one's just kind of like this lighter, oh, like yeah. You know, it's, it's, and that got me thinking about eating placenta. Yeah, we're doing it. We're, we're taking our placenta home. <laughs> like, we're going to get it encapsuled, uh-huh. which is like, that's kind of the, like they dry it out, um, similar to the liver supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we're going to do that and then also make a tincture out of it because that will be shelf stable for longer. And I guess it's really helpful in um, menopause mm. or you can give it to your, if you have a daughter, you can give it to your daughter. So and you it, just keep it forever. You can keep it forever. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, and it's literally the, it's a life, piece yeah. of placenta just in grain alcohol. Huh. Yeah. Huh. So are you gonna are you gonna eat some? I don't think so. Because <laughs> it's it's very specific to the woman who, uh, that the placenta's from. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of I mean, there's a massive amount of bioavailable nutrients in the placenta that anybody could absorb, but I think the hormones that are in it are specifically um designed for that woman's post-birth because mm. literally and, and i don't know if people know this but almost every single mammal eats their placenta after birth and humans have only recently started doing it in western culture again um mostly through this placenta encapsulation but it, i guess it's really helpful with um postpartum depression and baby blues uh and i think some people have different responses. Some people like can't take it. Like they literally, then once they start taking it, they just get, they like have weird hormonal reactions. Mm. Uh, we just learned about that. So you kind of have to take it one by one and just see, see how it works for your body. But yeah, the, the hormones and the nutrients in the placenta are specifically your body makes it for you postpartum. Um, do you think there's an industry out there for <laughs> i mean there's we're, we're using a company like a not a company but it's like i think it's a few few women who mm-hmm. they come to the hospital take your placenta and dry it out and then give it back to interesting. you interesting yeah i mean i i i mean i'd be like I, at some point I, I wonder if we'll you know start if if we were to to begin consuming other animals placenta with mm-hmm. that like really fuck up Super the ecosystem food. or something, or would that be okay? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's like uh, col- the whole colostrum thing. Right. It's like, is it ethical to take colostrum from a baby from a cow? Yeah, what do baby you think? Cow's mother. Um, I think they they have practices where they do it at a point in time where the the calves have had the appropriate amount or something, and then they take it after. I usually get it um, dried hmm. and they say on the package that it's all ethical. They have a whole process. Um, but who's to say, yeah, I, I mean, know. there's probably, I got to imagine there's, there's enough of it, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's not this like limited resource out yeah. in the world. And you know, when you look at, I mean, what's in colostrum, bunch of antibodies, mm-hmm. you know, is it is bacteria? It, yeah. So is it, are we, I mean, I guess there's probably like within that milk, cause the, the, is the colostrum isn't just like a, 
an umbrella term for the milk. It's like a component no, of the it's, milk. It's, right? what, it's the first milk. The very first milk. And it's a surprisingly, especially at least in humans, it's a surprisingly low amount. Like literally dro- several drops. Mm. And that's all it is for the first, I think, couple days of the baby's life. It's like a few drops a day. And that's all they get. And that's all they need. Mm. Um, so I think that's where, I don't know how that translates to um, bovine or any other. Well, it's the, I mean, but, you know, like there's, when you look at like how, like where, why does the gut develop in the first place? You know, the gut, you got the, these two, it's basically all about immunity, right? You've got a gut associated lymphatic tissue, you know, mm-hmm. that part of your immunity and then the mucosal associated. So like your nose and your mouth yeah. and stuff, these are the first places where we like get any kind of assessment. So it's per or, uh, attack. So it kind of like makes sense that those are probably, the first things to really be built. I mean, I'm sure this is well documented and we're not doctors and making it very well known that we're not right now. Yes. <laughs> you know, if there's any doubt, we've talked to your it. primary care physician. Yeah. Uh, you know, like does, I, I would think that, you know, that this, this air, I mean, the internal is like the, has got to be the beginning of it all. I would, you know, from, from both the time you're, you're yeah. conceived to like when you come out, like you need that colostrum, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what's the first thing they do to a baby when it comes out? Uh, so when the baby comes out, it's covered in what's called vernix. It's like this protective stuff around their skin. So the first mm-hmm. thing that's really important is skin to skin. So you want your baby up on your mother's chest or your chest, but you want it skin to skin right away. Um, the, I think it's called the breast crawl is something that they do. They kind of put it below the breast and then the baby will literally instinctively crawl to the breast and get those first couple drops of colostrum cool. ideally right away. The vernix that comes out on them, a lot of Western medicine will wipe it off. You want to rub it in. It's very, I guess it's very important to the skin's microbiome and the skin's health. Um, and with the colostrum, you want that to be the first thing. You don't want to feed the baby formula first. If you have to, like if, if, if you aren't producing milk, you're almost certainly producing colostrum. So you want that baby to have the colostrum first because that is what sets up the entire gut ecosystem along with along with the vaginal birth they get a lot of the bacteria through the vaginal exit and then um the colostrum is the second piece of that but if you do formula first it like i guess it like flushes out the intestines and and you don't get that bacterial growth that you need and it leads to so many um autoimmune diseases Mm -hmm. crazy so what are you guys i mean how are you I've had all these, I mean, over the course of my life, relationships and whatnot, it's mm-hmm. one of the things that's been a real point of contention is dietary stuff. Totally. You know? <laughs> like, how, how do you reconcile that with, with your partner? And what are you going to do? Like, because she was a vegetarian? Yeah, or? yeah. I mean, what's, what's your... She's definitely been very open to me, because a lot of what I've done has been experimenting with mm-hmm. different diets and seeing what works for me. I've kind of settled on this animal-based thing because it makes feels so good. I feel healthy. Um, and I think she's open to that. We've, I mean, we talk about it all the time and it's definitely a, uh, a work in progress just trying to, trying to find a middle ground. Like I eat a lot more eggs when I'm home Mm. than when I'm on the road. I eat a lot more meat when I'm on the road, but I just try to, I would always try to get as much animal based food as I could in my diet. And we've ever since I've known her, we've always, um, bought, strictly organic as much as possible and local as much as possible 
and um, now we're focusing on regenerative as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I think that that's that is the natural uh, the natural evolution of mm-hmm. of what we're doing. I mean, we when we it's very because at first you kind of you, you, you start to dip your toes in the in the water of of this meat thing. I know, like my experience was. I was like, okay, like I'm just, I guess I'm just gonna get like the the cheapest meat that I can get or whatever that's yeah. like, <laughs> accessible because if this is all I'm gonna eat, like it's might get, yeah, you know, it seems like it should be expensive or something, uh, yeah. you know, and 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 like it's, it, it's I mean, it, really. yeah, it really isn't, but like, but that's but that's just like conditioning that we've we've probably made just from you know our habitual grocery shopping mm-hmm. you know uh, endeavors where we're just like you know we assign x value to these consumer packaged goods that have all this other um you know all this this entire supply chain assigned to them sometimes it's mind-boggling that you know it's like how did this box of cheetos or whatever like you had to have like somebody had to like design the label somebody had to like you know break down the wood pulp and like Mm -hmm. make the box there was like a factory that like you know, rendered plastic for the yeah. bag, you mm-hmm. know, there's like all these, you know, the, the, you've got to fucking press a bunch of like seed oils and whatnot. For <laughs> the, you got to like get some like weird, some aspect of a dairy product, you know, you yep. got to get all these things. You're talking like hundreds of components that have probably touched like, you know, thousands of pieces of machinery and had like many, many people involved mm-hmm. in their creation from the time it's, you know, the products made packaged, put on a truck you got to have diesel gas whatever for the truck you know like it's got to go somewhere you know then you've got it gets unloaded you've got to have another person like stocking the shelf and like that product costs a (laughs) dollar (laughs) 99 i've never understood that it's so crazy you know and so you like it 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 gives us a a false understanding of value Mm -hmm. you know um and so like so I guess like when you start you start looking at meat, um, it's which is it can be even more mind-boggling sometimes. I mean, the other day, this is so I, I do eat some vegetables from mm-hmm. time to time, yep. usually raw, um, you know, because I want to get I want to feed you know some bifido bacteria. I need some totally. resistant starches, and mm-hmm. so I'll fuck around with like some raw asparagus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went and bought pound of raw asparagus the other day and i just grabbed like you know, i just grabbed it off the shelf i didn't mm-hmm. even really look at the price per pound but as you the more you start eating meat like you start thinking in in, in unit yep. price per pound you know like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh and i go and ring it up and and it was like eight dollars yeah and i was like you've really like how did it i was like it really i was like i can i literally get grass-fed grass finished beef from the mission valley mm-hmm. you know for wholesale at less than six dollars a pound yep i was like is it really it, it's cheaper to that asparagus to, to, is probably <laughs> from peru or something you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's like you start to really begin to think about where the food's coming from mm-hmm. you know what did the food eat yep you know like that that's the other part about it it's like yeah you can you can immediately see uh, and feel some differences when you when you swap from you know a, a less than ideal diet to a, a better one. Particularly, yeah, you know, even going from conventional to organic or 
local regenerative whatever you have but just that progression eating vegetables there's the vegetables that are grown organically are so much more nutrient dense Mm -hmm. it's incredible you can see it in them and you can feel it when you eat them yeah absolutely you taste it yeah you know like that was i think for many years especially like you know when i worked in kitchens and stuff like that like that was and 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 through zesty we were always you know we've always been like pretty um, pretty committed to using organic ingredients like mm-hmm. when possible and when yeah. economics allow and when they're accessible. Yeah. And they, they, it was, it was it, 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 at one point it wasn't ever that like the nutrient content was my concern. You know, it was like yeah. what I immediately noticed was that it tasted and looked Flavor. better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like the thing that, the thing that like, you know, kind of keep humans coming back to food or whatever is like you eventually develop a, you know, proclivity for a certain taste of something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, the organic stuff was just tasting way better, but that was, you know, and, and I start to find the same thing with me, you know, yep. you know, it, it, it really is like, yeah, I mean, I can go and, and get, you know, just whatever kind of, you know, schwill is, is at Walmart or Costco. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and with that said, like, I don't mean to denigrate that because you can get, I found some good yeah, looking meat at Walmart. You can get great meat at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's like no doubt about it. And it's like not that, not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's psychosomatic or what, but like, I know the meat in that bag over there and like, you know, the hearts that I get from Wiccan's ranch are mm-hmm. definitely superior to, you know, particularly when it comes to organ meat. I mean, that, like yeah. that, that makes, that seems to be the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first liver I bought um, was like already packaged and like mm-hmm. wrapped in plastic yeah. and was like in the freezer section, you know, at Winco. And mm-hmm. I was just like experimenting, <laughs> you know, I was like, I'll see what this is all about. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, no wonder people think it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, had, I saw that start contrast. The last <laughs> tour we were on, I had to get it from like, it was like in a white plastic tub mm-hmm. frozen and it tasted bad. It was yeah. really bad. And I could barely, like I eat it raw normally and I could barely get it down raw. And then I came home to our local regenerative liver that I usually buy and I like I couldn't even taste it. Right. It was like <laughs> like I norm sometimes it's like, yeah, I have to like take a little swig of water with it and I was just like eating this stuff. Just yeah. it was so good. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I mean yeah, there's huge differences. Even like liver different parts of the liver itself. Like you can see that it has like these like dark grayer parts. Like it depends on the part of the organ that you're getting to. It's I mean, you you begin to become so much more intimately aware and and um I mean, empathetic, you know, you understand the entire system. You Mm -hmm. like, you really do become, I don't know if it's like, if, if it's a mental thing or if there is some like evolutionary drive that, that begins to change how you taste and feel, uh, and, and just your, your outlook on, on what it is you're consuming, Yeah, you know? And it, and it really is. It's like, if you're, if, 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 you know, if you, like it's one of the things like why well, I don't like to get eggs that much anymore. Really? You know? Yeah, because like when I get, I feel like going and, and getting eggs from you know Costco. If I'm not getting eggs from a farmer, you know, yeah, from lo- okay, lo- you yeah. know, like when I'm buying big egg, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, I I can't help but think that like what that f- chicken ate yeah. is like probably not 
you know, the most elegant feed solution. There's so much greenwashing in that industry too. It's crazy. Like the, the Costco egg, the Costco has eggs right now that say pasture raised. And I just don't, I can't comprehend how they have that massive quantity. I mean, pallets of these things all over the country to be truly like ethically pasteurized. They look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Like the big, yolks, big yellow yolks, and like the yolks aren't yolks always and, yellow, but they. I guess the the um the qual the better qualification for that is how like firm the yolk is, how uh-huh. much it like stays together. Uh-huh. If you can, if you just like barely poke it, does it come apart or does it stay together? And they're actually been and so pretty the firmer good. the better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it does say that they're fed a vegetarian diet yeah. and yada yada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Whatever. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, Oh, where was it going with that? I mean, it, it, it seems, you know, when in terms of the greenwashing, you know, you do, it's like, you can go buy grass fed beef at Walmart or it says grass fed, Mm -hmm. but the USDA's qualifications for that, they can still be finished. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like the, the, the finishing of that is oftentimes like less than ideal. Yep. You want to be finishing on grass. Yeah. And and so, like you see this, you see this grass-fed label, and maybe you're paying a premium, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're not. Like it seems like there's kind of beginning to be um, some equilibrium met between the two. But mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the greenwashing aspect is exactly what it is. It's like, it so you, you you see grass-fed, you assume that that it's going to be better. Yeah. And I mean, you know, maybe it's a good place to. Uh, I guess I'd rather see that than I'd rather see that begin to p- proliferate on the shelves than not. Yeah. You know, I'd rather see that, that practice, um, becoming more widespread than, than the alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a little misleading. Yeah. You know, and because it, they can still be like CAFO animals. Like yeah. Just total feedlot. Exactly. And, and they are most, if, if you're getting it at like Winco or like where yeah. like it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like no question about it. Yeah. You know, the label might have like, you know, this idyllic pasture scene on it or something like that. Kids probably like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it's probably not uh, what you, what you would hope for when you get it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's like you, you, you first you first go on to it and again it's like what you said it's optimizing you know it's like continuous improvement yep you know you can go and yeah i can buy like 10 pounds of you know the shittiest bottom round around for three dollars <laughs> a pound or whatever you know and and begin the journey and that's certainly better than you know 90% of the other things that yep. are at the store. Anything in the middle of the store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, you do, you begin to really, really care. You mm-hmm. develop a, like a deep concern. Yeah. You know, and, and probably annoyingly so to some people. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the hardest things is like the, there's like a stigma associated with, doing better or it's <laughs> weird yeah i know i always feel like the weirdo for like trying to advocate for my own health you know <laughs> like why is that i think a lot of what it comes down to is that like all of this stuff that we're doing and the optimizing it's like it's literally just going back to living off the it's like going back to not caveman but just mm. like not what we were doing 300 years ago or what we were doing 500 years ago it's like what we evolved doing 
10,000 to 100,000 years right. ago. Like that's what I feel like any, anytime we're trying to find like a health hack, it's like literally just going back to that time. It's like what our bodies evolved to do. Yeah. And we've just gotten so far away from that. It's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. So what are you going to do? What's, what's going to be your approach for, for rearing children? What, what are they going to, I what think are they see? I'd like to let them lead the way as much mm-hmm. as possible, but I want to give them all of the options and all of the knowledge. And I think that starts with just buying local ingredients and mm-hmm. cooking everything at home and giving them the most nutrient dense food, whatever kind of food that is, but the most nutrient dense food as possible. That's my goal. Yeah. And I think they'll, I think they can make up their mind whether they want to be a vegetarian or a, or a carnivore or whatever. I mean, I think that if we give them all the options and don't sway them in one direction and just, and, but give them the information, I think they can make up their own mind. on. What what about, you know, things like, you know, the, the things that all of their classmates are going to have in their lunchbox. I I think about this a lot (laughs) and I, I honestly don't know yet. Um, but I think just giving them the information, like they're kids, but they're not dumb. And I think if you tell them why you're eating certain foods and what is wrong with other foods, I think that they will understand that whether they go through phases or not. I think that information will, will get in there, Mm. but I don't know. That's it's a learning experience. I don't, I don't even know yet. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I don't know why, like, I don't, I don't have kids. I mean, I had some, st- I guess I've got some, some younger people in my life, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, uh, that seems to have be, seems to have really become my, my big concern as of late is looking at like what future generations are going to have to deal with and looking at how we either set them up for success or failure, like directly as a parent or like, you know, indirectly as you know, beverage manufacturer or, or whatever, yeah. you know, like what, what are we, what are we giving to, to, to these children besides like a, you know, by and large, I mean, a lifetime of like dependence yeah. and, um, you know, medical expenses and, mm-hmm. you know, discomfort. And I mean, you know? we are fortunate enough to live in, oh, well, I don't live here anymore, mm-hmm. but that like this community is so healthy and like after traveling the country, we're fucking doomed. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. I just I see families of like s- seven children and they're all massively obese. I'm just like how and that's the norm now. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. I mean, and it's. I check this out. Uh, here, there's a good right here. Just see these lights. Uh, I don't know why. I've been. Uh, this is ridiculous. What is this? <laughs> what do we got here? So. I was like making some content and I needed some sort of visual representation. Mm-hmm. And this is like two weeks ago. And and I've been carrying these things around um, wherever I go. Uh, it's, it's two, it's, so it's two pounds of sugar. Okay. <laughs> and this is one, this is one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and it, it represents the uh, average Americans intake in a, in a, on a weekly basis. Wow. Yeah. And I just keep carrying it around. I guess I guess I was carrying it around for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't use I don't like eat it. You know, and, and uh, I just 
it's it's just, it's striking and there's no we don't need it so you know? yeah with sugar like i feel great when i have some fruit uh-huh. i feel great when i have honey i feel great when i have maple syrup mm-hmm. i feel horrible if i drink a soda right what's the difference so what happens is you know we we can so glucose is ultimately what we need yeah right and and what we get and you know a lot of fruit is going to have it's going to have more fructose um, in it. And so what's going to happen is these, this particular form of sugar winds up getting metabolized in the liver, Okay, you know? And so when it goes straight to the liver, you're going to essentially be creating fat, like right around your liver. So you've heard of fatty liver disease, yep. you know, visceral fat. Mm-hmm. So that therein lies kind of like just the like quick and dirty why you want a natural sugar versus versus mm-hmm. this one. You want, you want the creation of glucose you yeah. know, from, from your food. Mm-hmm. which we can like glucose can get made from any of the other essential things yeah. that we eat. You don't necessarily want fat being, you don't want immediate generation of fat from what you're taking in, mm-hmm. in the liver. So therein lies the difference. I mean, just from like a really simple bare bones physiologic standpoint. Cool. Um, and again, I mean, we didn't start eating that until, you know, we began to learn how to process it. At one point in time, this was a thing that only the elite had access to. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, you know, you always heard of, like, gout or whatever being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, an affliction of, you know, the well-healed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will associate gout with eating meat. I Yeah, which, I was wondering about that. The guy on the plane next to me the other day had gout. And he was talking about how he couldn't, he had to stop eating bratwurst or something like that. And I was like, I, he I had to stop eating Johnsonville bratwurst yeah. on like a bun with like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ketchup, know? mustard, yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, that, that, that's the thing. I mean, so I've had gout before, okay. um, and, but I had it, this was previous, this mm-hmm. like getting gout was one of the reasons I do what I do now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so I got gout after, um, it was, it was at a bachelor party. Um, and I was not treating myself well leading up to this. Mm-hmm. This was in 2020. Okay. I was gonna say, I think I remember yeah, this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I hadn't been taking care of myself drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I've got a terrible sweet tooth. Um, uh, you know, I've eaten just, so many gummy bears over the course of my <laughs> life it's absurd i mean i have to be careful with fruit too you yeah. know like i mean if i like i've had to kind of like really limit my consumption of fruit to like things like grapefruits mm-hmm. things that aren't quite as um like snackable craveable yeah. <laughs> you know um because i'll go buy like a frozen bag of mangoes from costco and mm-hmm. you know you're talking 1400 calories with the mangoes and i will eat that thing in two days so like, given the opportunity yeah. you know so like i need to for me, it's just like, cause I'm a habitual person. I just like have the itch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I was drinking a lot. I was eating a lot of shitty food. I was at a bachelor party. We were going out to eat, eating fried foods, you know, like, yes, we were eating a lot of meat as well. Like, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the houses and doing lots of, lots of grilling and whatnot. But generally speaking, my diet leading up to that and that weekend in particular were far from ideal. Yeah. Um, a lot of booze, a lot of sugar. Certainly a lot of meat not, with no concern for the quality of mm-hmm. that meat. Um, 
I was stumbling home from like, you know, between the two houses and, uh, stubbed my toe on a rock and uh, like it, the neck, I mean, I didn't really pay it much mind cause I was, you like, stub your toe. I was drunk yeah. and I stubbed my toe, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like no big deal. But like I could feel the next day, you know, it, it, I had assumed that I must've like done some damage like mm-hmm. some structural damage or something you know yeah. i was like fuck i like broke my toe or something uh-huh. you know but and it just started like this was like a thursday or a friday and it just progressively got worse mm-hmm. to by the time i was driving back to bozeman from whitefish on like monday morning or whenever it was like i couldn't push i couldn't like touch the i was like having to drive with my left foot Whoa. like you know <laughs> yeah. i like, couldn't touch anything <laughs> you know like let Damn. alone like have like it got to the point when I got back, um, I mean, it got to the point where like even like putting the blankets over my foot was like just incredibly like just the, the sheer touch of like you you could blow on the foot Mm -hmm. and it was like the worst pain I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, what was odd is I went to, uh, I went to like an urgent care, um, and you know, of course, like, they're like, oh, let's get you a COVID test. Like, that was like the very first thing, like before even like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 2020. So they're like, you had COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> shout, shout out Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I want to talk about him too. Um, there's uh so they did, they, they had urgent care. They took, they like looked at my uric acid levels, which I guess is like, you know, a quick little clinical indicator. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, there was no indication of gout, which like, I mean, uh, but they still put me on medication, you know, to, I mean, it was basically like a steroid, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to deal with that inflammation. Um, um, which like, I would, I mean, I've always had like some faith in the medical system, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent, um, over the years it's become less and less something that I like want to like really be a part of, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, Same. I mean, I've stopped, I haven't paid insurance for years, you know, at this mm-hmm. point I have like zero reliance on it, on the, the yeah. medical system. And I'd like to maintain that for as long as I can, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, but that was, that was like a. A, a glaring signal to me where, that a like something wasn't right with me yeah you know and that b you know what the the medical system that i had access to something wasn't right with that also because they were like well we don't see it you know we don't see any problem here just based on this result mm-hmm. i'm like really i can't walk yeah you know? well, <laughs> <laughs> like i can't like it, there's they you know they took x-rays and stuff because yeah. i told them about stubbing the toe but apparently mm-hmm. gout can get you know it's it's just like these little crystals that are just like residing yeah you know and and it's usually like some sort of trauma mm-hmm. um essentially what, like what mu- is it what are the crystals made of uric you know? acid uric acid yeah okay. it's like a just a buildup of, of uric and it solidifies acid. yeah okay and then it gets i guess it gets into like a blood vessel or something or mm-hmm. you know gets some somewhere at some point that like it causes um, a response and i think yeah. it's a, an immune response that like it's basically just inflammation just like a you know a fever or whatever trying to you know, bring, you know, injury to a, an invader, Yeah, you know, um, to, to get rid of it. But it's, it was, it was a, just a 
powerfully debilitating condition for <laughs> yeah. you know i'm like on my toe <laughs> yeah. damn you know? how long did it take to resolve man i mean i was i couldn't like really walk for maybe like two days mm-hmm. um and then uh so like there was this you know the onset of 72 96 hours or so two days of of not being able to walk and mm-hmm. then like a seven day course of steroids or so. I mean, it was like 14 days of like total maybe Yeah. by the time, like everything was back to normal. Um, so that was my experience with gout. Um, and every, you know, it was like, Oh, avoid, you know, leafy green vegetables, which I don't eat anymore anyway, yeah. because every time I eat leafy green vegetables, like it's like, I don't digest them and I immediately poop them out. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I avoid those things anyway, because it's so weird, you know, like I, I would for the longest time, like one of the like the quickest, easiest, what I thought was the most nutritionally beneficial meals for me was there was something that like, you know, fit what I was looking for. I'd go to the co-op and I'd get my nice, like big salad, you yep, know, and, totally. and it's like 20 bucks and it's got like <laughs> all this awesome stuff on it. And, and like, I eat it and like within 10 minutes I'm Shit. shitting and it's like, <laughs> and it's like all still there. I'm like, what's like, did I get what am I getting out of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so I avoid those things, which they say to avoid, but there's, I mean, I eat, you know, some days it's two and a half pounds of meat, every mm-hmm. sing- red meat, every single day, you yeah. know, like, and that it's nearly exclusively red meat at this point. Like mm-hmm. I, the rest of it, like, I don't like really have a taste for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I have like, I've, and I've had blood work done, like uric acid levels were normal, but they were normal when I had the gout too. So mm-hmm. who fucking knows? Huh. Um, I've, but I've never, I mean, in the last 12 months i've certainly had you know i'm, I'm active like i'm yeah I'm, you know my joints are like especially like down on my feet my toes and whatnot they're moving around everything's they're, working they're getting you're eating two and a half pounds of red yeah. meat a day you're not getting gout no yeah so i mean more than likely you know and i think probably most of the the clinical data and you know any kind of white papers you can find out there these days like would indicate that it's probably not just meat it's, yeah. it's a combination of meat and sugar because you know mm-hmm. like when you when you're combining meat and sugar you you get this you know it's called glycation mm-hmm. you hear saladino talk about yep. like methyl glyoxal all mm-hmm. the time you know and yep. so like that's the kind of like toxic uh metabolic process that you want to avoid mm-hmm. um and and i guess you don't get that with with fructose and meat necessarily okay but, but you know, in order to try and steer that, uh, that process, uh, away, cause you don't want, you want meat, you want, there's, I guess like, you know, there's also a lot of associations of red meat and, and colorectal cancer. Yep. Um, and so that comes about from, I think it's called TMAO, mm-hmm. some sort of, uh, fermentation by process that, okay. that occurs when meat gets fermented, fermented in one part of the, the gut versus another. And so, in order to steer that away, things like raw asparagus, green bananas, yep. you know, including those mm-hmm. prebiotic is, yeah. is kind of like, you yeah. know, the, the blanket term for mm-hmm. it. Um, and ultimately what those things are doing is creating things like that are in this beverage, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the butyrate and the acetate. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I guess my anecdotal experiences, you know, I've seen and, and I'm sure have you had gout? 
recently. I've never had gout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it seems like most of the people who are eating clean, um, you know, are getting fed like the typical mm-hmm. fucking lie that we've been fed for a long time that, you know, placing the blame on beef versus the blame where it really needs to go, which yeah. is, you know, most of the other harmful shit that's that seems to be happening in a lot of phases of the beef world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, I mean, where else do you see like, what, like climate change? Totally. Yeah. I mean, cattle are a phenomenally effective carbon sequestration. Yes. Not when you concentrate them and put them in cattle feedlots, mm. but in their natural regenerative process. And, yeah. I mean, almost everything that's done in Montana is very carbon sequestering. Mm. And yeah. Um, that book, Bitcoin Abuse, goes into that a gotcha. lot, and he he has a really good analysis of it. Another great book on that is Kiss the Ground. They have also have a Netflix documentary if anybody is interested cool. in just getting a brief overview of that subject. Um, beef is not causing yeah. climate change. <laughs> You're gonna like defending beef. Yeah, cool. I mean, it's a lot. Of, I mean, again, it'll be a lot of the same things that you've you've been um, you've been made aware of. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's a it's a great book by. Uh, folks who run Neiman ranch. I don't know if you've heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, the cattle is su- such a, a effective tool for civilization, you know, I mean, turning something, I mean, it, like it goes into, it's more than just the cattle itself. Yeah. You know, it's like you look at it, it you start from the ground up, you know, you've got what they have kind of like eloquently describe as grass being, you know, this interface between geology and biology, mm-hmm. um, grasslands really, you know, preventing soil erosion and keeping, yep. keeping our earth kind of together, mm-hmm. you know, um, then you can put this big living machine on it who can harness the energy, you know, that's created from photosynthesis, mm-hmm. you know, harness it, from a form that we can't do anything with yep. as a human, turn it into fat, protein, mm-hmm. and, and carbs, you know, a little and bit also of feed the microbiome of the soil. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's and and continue to, to yeah, exactly. Just provide that strength, mm-hmm. you know, to prevent soil erosion, to prevent the to prevent us having to deal with a fucking dust bowl. Yeah, desertification. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, all of these incredible things and. You know, just like, uh, I mean, in this case, the ground getting shit upon is a good thing, but like the industry as a whole is getting shit upon by, (laughs) you know, by these people like really out to shift. I mean, it really, it's, it's, it's market forces dominating, you know, certain industries see if they can extract this percentage from this industry and shift it to theirs. Mm -hmm. Well, that means, you know many jobs yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know and and they i mean you look at it it's like it's not it's not the cattle causing the problem it's Mm -hmm. the machinery associated with operating a feedlot or (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that if there you know if there's any contribution to climate change like that's like the fossil fuels that are being burnt to actually run the operations are are certainly to bear some blame for that i think (laughs) that i think the methane is is a thing too and i think it it gets a lot more concentrated with the feedlots i believe because of the the fecal waste that is like piled up Mm -hmm. i can't i'm totally speaking out my ass right now um but 
I think there's something to be said with that. And that's a, just a process that doesn't happen mm-hmm. if they're out on pasture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the, these are things you don't really, I don't know why these com- topics of conversation aren't as sexy as they should be, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like they're, 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 they're eye opening. They are nothing else. Yep. So what, um, I mean, I, I want to kind of migrate a little bit to kind of like, I want to talk about teamwork a little bit. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been, you've been working with a consistent group of people for a good part of your adult life. Yep. Right. Um, and obviously the team grows, uh, you know, you bring in, you bring in new members here and there mm-hmm. um, who all, you know, bring some sort of complimentary or, um, you know, unmet skill set. you know, how, how have you seen the dynamics, you know, just starting with like the core, you know, we'll, we'll include like your management as a core component of that, or it has been with you for a while, right? Yeah. Or you've been, you guys mm-hmm. have been working together a while. So like the five of y'all, mm-hmm. like how have you seen your, your trust grow with one another, your level of accountability, um, you know, just, just all of that stuff. What have you seen evolve over the last 10 years? Uh, it's, been it's together? been, yeah, the, the four, four, the four people in the mm-hmm. band for the last nine years. Um, but we know everything about each other mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, we know all the quirks of each other. We know how to deal with each other. Everybody has their issues. Everybody has their things that they're really good at, whatnot. And we've luckily been able to navigate that path very well. And that's the reason we're still together. I mean, it's, I'm an only child, so I don't know this, but they say it's like a brotherhood, like Mm -hmm. literally like that's what our relationship seems like to them is like brothers, um, where we're, we're business partners, but we live together also. So we know everything and we can tell when somebody's having a bad day we account for that we can tell if somebody's like upset about something or they really want to do something we try to make it happen for them those interpersonal relationships and just seeing the subtle cues that people give off um i think is it's really important to just have i guess that emotional intelligence to be able to just recognize when people need something and um support them we've been a very supportive group for between us and we talk shit behind each other's back all the time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, uh, I mean, do you have tools that you use? Like, do you guys like sit down quarterly and, and fill out, you know, no. assessments on one another? <laughs> no. no, we have bitching sessions when there's one person who's not in the group. We have all bitched about that person. That's, that's our quarterly assessment <laughs> and it works, man. I mean, we all know it happens. It's, it's mm-hmm. great. Like it's, it's brotherly love. It's, it, it's been working for us. I think it'll keep working for us. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, who do you, who do you like bunk with? 
Max. Yeah. Well, no, we're switching it up. Oh yeah. The last yeah, yeah, yeah. two or so, we've uh, we rotate every night now. <laughs> so we. So if people don't know, we are still traveling in a van. We may move to a bus or something at some point in the future. But right now, we are seven people in a van, a fifteen passenger van. And we stay in hotels every night. Nobody shares a bed anymore, which is great. Hell yeah. Um, and But we do share hotel rooms. So we do two people in a room for the most part. And um, for the longest time, yeah, Max and I shared a room. And now we're switching it up because we're fucking bros. And mm-hmm. we, we just want to, we want to have, I think it's really helped us. Like, I think it's helped our shows. I think it's just helped like the, just the interpersonal relationships of everybody. For sure. And Yeah. What so I remember um, in previous years when you've been back in town, you were doing stuff outside of the band, like during downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's what's like what's your background outside of music? Uh, I went to I came to Montana to go to school for architecture, but quickly switched to engineering. So I got a bachelor's degree in civil engineering focused on structures and worked for a local company here, CNH engineering for 10 years. Um, until last May when it was just, uh, I, I was the last person in the band to have like a full-time most not full-time, but steady job outside of the band. And it was just too much. I, I couldn't do, I couldn't have my engineering job band, and a home life that was just something's gonna suffer yeah Yeah. i mean i could sleep two hours a night and do that but (laughs) that's not never gonna work so um i decided to leave the engineering firm in may and it was a great decision i think because now i still don't have any free time (laughs) and i'm like how the hell did i do that um but i like five years ago four years ago i figured out a way to do my engineering from the road which was awesome and then a nightmare Mm -hmm. uh it was like then then i like literally had no free time Mm -hmm. anytime like because i always had this obligation there was always something hanging over my head of like okay i actually i need to get this job done i need to get these emails out whatever it was i couldn't ever relax i didn't relax for like three years because i always had something that I had to do, not just like a to-do list of like stuff that needed to kind of need to get done. It was like, I had to do this. Like contractors were depending on me to do it. And so getting that out of my life was a huge step just for my mental health. I've, I still don't have any free time, I feel like, but, um, I'm just really excited to focus on music and family. Do you find, or did you find during that time that like, were you able to write? No, yeah, no. And I actually, I have a, I don't know if, I don't want to say weird writing style, but I don't really have a writing style. Mm-hmm. Like all the songs that I've written have pretty much just, they come in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have only sat down and written one song like ever in my life. I just can't do it. It there's, there's call it writer's block or just, I don't know what it is, but, um, almost all my songs I've been sitting in a traffic light and like, Oh, there's a chorus. There's some words like, and then I'll, either whistle it into my phone or whatever and then like go try to piece it together on a guitar later that day or a month later or something like that but um i'm really excited to try writing more i did do a little bit of that on our on our next album um but it was painstaking honestly Mm. like just words and also i just like it's just like a blank wall. Like I don't, the creative process for me is not, I can't just like conjure it up. 
the only time I ever did that, I was, it was the song years of my life. And I, it was like the final hour before we were about to go into the studio and I had to like finish lyrics and everything. And I don't really remember writing it because I had like three whiskeys and then it just happened. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only time I've ever actually like sat down and written a song and I don't know how I did it. But, um, yeah, most of the time it just like comes to me. Oh God. I mean, one of the, you know, the most memorable musical experiences of my life was getting to, to do stand at ease yeah, man. with y'all last year at mm-hmm. the Elm. Um, and like that, I didn't, I mean, it, it, it was a powerful moving song. It wasn't like when I first heard the tune, it wasn't one that like initially pulled me, but mm-hmm. as with most great songs, it's like the more, the more you dig in, the totally. more like it digs into you. Yeah. Um, so how did that one come about? Um, that one, I was sitting at the 19th and main traffic light <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I had the chorus came to me and it was kind of, it, I was thinking of it almost like a nineties pop country mm-hmm. song sort of. And, uh, I think I was writing it at, maybe it was about like past relationships or something, or like some of the words like sort of tied into that. And then I let it sit for like four years. And we, Jeff Austin passed away in the summer of 19. Um, we, it seems like we'd had just a lot of suicides yeah. and mental health struggles in the industry. And so that really helped me shape the words. And so I had a lot of verses for it at first and, um, the words weren't like really fitting super well. So we actually worked with a songwriter, this guy named Elliot Blaufus out of, um, Minnesota or Nashville. I guess he lives in Nashville now. Um, but so he kind of helped me like define different parts and Corey Wong, the producer of the album, he helped us like kind of make, make the like little motifs and stuff pop out of it. Um, but the general, like the chord structure lyrics were, I had a form down and then I took them to Elliot and we kind of like refined the lyrics and made it more applicable to anybody Mm -hmm. not necessarily writing as much about a specific person i had stuff in there like specifically about mac miller Mm -hmm. and about jeff austin obviously and then we we even had a uh, circles around the sun reference Mm -hmm. in there at the end um but we kind of just we we wanted to make it a little bit more broad and open for so it's not not just to like appeal to the masses but so that anybody can take that song Mm -hmm. And have it mean something to them personally. I learned recently, it's crazy that you would bring this up. Like I just learned recently the potential downfalls of writing a song that is to uh, perhaps poignant to one person's yeah. perspective. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, and it's completely, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of let someone close to me know that, you know, this the finality of this song was, you know, this, this song finally came together, was codified, you know, because of their presence in my life. The, mm-hmm. the whole song wasn't about them yeah. necessarily, but they took that and ran with that mm. and, and have like, you know, taken it <laughs> upon themselves to like really dissect it <laughs> okay. and, and try to, to pick apart like all, all of these, these things, which, you know, you know, I'm using, I'm trying to use creative elements in the writing, you know, I'm mm-hmm. juxtaposing phrases against one another, like, you know, trying to make this thing artistic. Yeah. And like, like, yes, I, like what I said to, to this person was true to some extent, but you know, it, it, it can become, 
like you so oftentimes, I mean, I, I know like there's when you as a, a viewer of entertainment or, you know, a, a, you know, a consumer of music, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that keeps people coming back to a show or band is how much that music has been a soundtrack to their, their life, yep. you know, to, you know, they hear a lyric and it takes them to a place in time, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, ain't it funny how, how a melody can bring back a memory, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so like, you, you know, that's a powerful thing to wield, mm-hmm. you know, just like playing the bass is very, I, like playing the bass is a responsibility. Yeah. You know, like you, like obviously just take it away from what, you know, the context of, of the, the core band, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have this responsibility to, you know, shake people at the sacral root, you know, like that's a, that's <laughs> a physical nature to it. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so it's like, it's the same thing with, 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 a, with lyrical content, you know, or yeah. like giving somebody, you know, too, too much information that's, mm-hmm. that's too specific to them about their tune. Like yep. you can, you can influence them negatively too. It, it turns out, you know, yep. totally. <laughs> yeah. Or it's just not relatable. Yeah, exactly. Know? And you want it to be, yeah. It's like it needs, stories are mm-hmm. cool, but to relate to it, you can't have too many specifics in the song. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, I mean, that was a fucking wild time, um, of, of losing all those folks. Yeah. And, and all of that was like, that was pre 2022, right? I mean, that was, yeah, we, we recorded the album in spring of 21, I think. And, um, sadly we were recording it in Minneapolis. Um, and our good friend who used to fill in for mandolin when Sean couldn't be there for us, he, um, passed away right before we went to the studio and he was, he lived in Minneapolis and like literally days before and so a lot of the like emotion and like the actual energy that came out of that song i mean it was directly tied to him taking his own life and because that's what that song was generally about um i think that like i associate that song with him now even though i didn't write it about him I wrote it about three other people, mm-hmm. but to me, like that song, that song is him now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what we're talking yeah. about. It's like, now that melody that hits me and it's, that takes yeah. me to that place, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's all, I mean, who is the, who's the audience when we write these things, yeah. you know, <laughs> <Is it> for <laughs> us? It's a great point. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you think, cause we've, we've, uh, I mean, it seems like we're not experiencing as much negativity in that, in that sense, Mm -hmm. you know, amongst our peers and colleagues these days. I mean, do you think that now it's just fentanyl overdoses? Yeah. But I mean, is that, is, are we getting plagued within the music scene by that still? And do you think like the, the mental health, like, you know, is it a, is an absence of, of evidence, evidence of absence that we're, that we're getting, you know, that we're still unhealthy in the, in the entertainment industry. I don't know. I think, um, the pandemic probably had a silver lining of people of exposing the mental health crisis in the music industry and hopefully realigning the, um, 
the uh, format for touring and stuff like that? Because I think a lot of people are just getting burned out. Mm -hmm. At least I know that's what we felt in our band. That's what we felt in our peers' bands. Um, it was too heavy of touring and not enough uh, personal time. And I don't know if that was the direct cause of it. I mean, I think mental health is such a complicated issue. I think diet plays a huge role mm -hmm. in that and exercise and all that plays a huge role in it too. But um, I think we've, we toned our touring back. We were touring like 30% more days, I think before the pandemic than we are now, um, which not, I mean, we're luckily able to do that financially sure. at this point. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Um, but I think there was a shift in, and just a, an eye-opening realization that there was an issue with the way this, like, and it wasn't like every, like major acts weren't having this, this overworked touring issue. I think it was kind of in our like nose to the grindstone, like live touring, like is everything uh, middle of the road band. Um, everyone who's like just getting on those major festivals, like, playing 200 shows a year mm -hmm. those were the bands that were struggling from being overworked mm -hmm. well it's so crazy too like you know the outsider's perspective is god like these these people must just be crushing it and just live like just must be the most wonderful <laughs> lifestyle you know and and there's no comprehension of what it does to a person to you know, play in front of a thousand or 10,000 people or whatever, and what that feels like and how much energy you get from that. Mm -hmm. And then you, you go away. You, yeah. you leave, <laughs> you know, Dude, like. Last night at the Elm, we played in front of 1100 people, yeah. didn't have our best show. I went back to the green room afterwards and I was like, pretty, pretty down, pretty down about it. I just went to bed. It was like, it's crazy to go from this incredible energy in front of over a thousand people mm -hmm. and then i'm like i'm in bed 45 minutes mm -hmm. later just like with my own thoughts unbelievable it's weird <laughs> i don't think people realize that aspect of it no they don't because those 1100 people myself of which were one do not share the same that like the experience on that end you know, unless there's like some just god awful train wreck, which like it's like <laughs> so few and far between. You know, uh, I mean, I haven't seen y'all do that in a long, long time since maybe like the Eagles watching you yeah. play the Eagles or something <laughs> yeah. like that. But like, um, and even that, it wasn't like a a train wreck. You just like weren't a very good band. Oh, right? we weren't. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, but now you're a great band, and and people, um, you know, everybody knows that and people everybody who comes to see you consecutively is you know under like sees the the incremental improvement that occurs every time you play every time you play you get better because you guys yeah. are out there all the damn time you know mm -hmm. and so that experience out there most of those 1100 people you know for the next four probably some of them are still awake from last night <laughs> you know for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know like they've they went out and you know, continued to celebrate totally. and continued to live the life that they think you're living, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> yep. but, you know, and it's just this, it's, you know, but you couldn't, you, you, you couldn't do it if you were living that, that way, you yeah. know, and I think that was certainly a contributor to, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we saw in 2020 did yeah. give us all a lot of time 
I don't want to talk too much about 2020, but like <laughs> other than the fact that um, I'm very grateful it happened for a number of reasons. One, you and I got to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, that's great. Um, One of my favorite things. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and, and two, uh, that year and the following one were ones where I was so uh, rough on my health that it manifested itself in ways that could not be ignored and caused, you know, it was very easy to improve from yeah. a baseline of like pretty shitty, <laughs> <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, so that was, uh, you know, forever grateful for that year. I yeah, mean, for as terrible absolutely. as it was for a lot of, you know, for a lot of us, yeah. um, you know, it did kind of usher in what's, what's hopefully a, a renaissance of, of, I of well-being. Hope so, man. I fucking <laughs> hope so. I hope people to start taking care of themselves mm-hmm. and just exercise, just eat a 10% better, 1% better a day. It's yeah. like, it's not that hard. And I think there's just, it could fix so many issues in this country. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, it's, it certainly has in mind. I mean, you know, and, and, and I'm not alone, yeah. you know, we're, we're not alone at all. And yeah, I mean, there's, untold amounts of things to be grateful for presently and god knows what kind of awesome shit we have to look forward to (laughs) yeah you know like like that's the cool thing i mean what um what what do you have what do you look forward to i'm just looking forward to being a father that is like far and away the most exciting thing in my life right now i mean the band has had immense success in the last couple years which has been great but the other half of my life is is father time, which is I'm really excited for. How much time are you taking taking off? We got um, six weeks off right after our due date, um, so I'm just, I'm excited to be home and, so, and meet a new person, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and we we're adjusting our touring schedule a little bit in the future, and I think I think it'll be good, but like there's so much development that happens in the first few years of life. And so I don't want to be gone for more than two weeks at a time. So ideally I'm able to come home for like a couple of days in the middle of a mm-hmm. four week run or whatever. Um, but yeah. It is so beautiful. What, what, um, tell me about, tell me about the new record. Uh, the new record or, uh, or the one, uh, you know, who, when I'm sure there's no, I, yeah, we, we're not even, we're not, we're we're halfway (laughs) done. Can you talk about anything? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to move? Um, Do you want to not talk about it? Get ready. It's going to be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) What, um, what about the process with, with, uh, with Corey Wong? You know, I mean, that 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 album's still running around. Totally. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. It was two years ago. (laughs) So, um, that was so cool. Uh, we did a lot of pre-production right here in the studio space actually. And, um, it was fun to just kind of go back and forth with him. And then we had our songs like pretty well dialed, except for like stand at ease wasn't like totally mm-hmm. finished until we went into the studio. We added like all those major vocal parts. Like that, those were like ideas that like happened in the studio. It came to life. We had them before, but they like came to life in the studio. Um, but he was, he's such like a, like a wizard, I guess. And just like, conjuring up like cool little like it's all it, with him it was like a lot of like the little things like the little notes that like lead into things stuff like that and like he really made these songs like pop and be accessible to like anybody who wanted to listen to him whether they'd heard bluegrass or not that was that was really what he brought to the table and his process was like 
it was like a little frantic uh-huh. when we got in the studio. Like we did 10 tracks in four days, vocals, solos, everything was done in, in four days, which we were not used to. Do you think that's how, is that how he works generally? I think that yeah. is how he works generally. That's what it seemed like at least. That seemed like his process. Um, but it was also just because we didn't live at that studio. Like we were going there to record. We were not going there to produce. We were not going there to like construct anything. Um, and I mean, it was cool. It was, it was a very, I have like a very like numerical, like mathematic mind and like my creative aspect of music is more like intuitive, not like as much expression, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was like awesome. Like that's why I went into engineering school was like numbers or that's what I do. So it was, it was fun to like kind of be surgical with it and like learn these parts and just like go do them and like nail them. And that was, that was a really fun way for me to record. This next album, Sneak Peek, is like the total opposite of that. We're like, we're halfway through and we've already spent eight days in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed working with Corey. I hope we can see him down the road somewhere. Have you seen his band? Yes. Dude, oh my how- God. <laughs> I see, yeah, we saw his band like a year before we worked with him. I think it was, it was Jam Cruise. We had just, I think we had just played and then he was playing at like 3 a.m. at the lounge on Jam Cruise. And so like... I was sober and I walked into that room and I was like, it was like I transported into like the 1930s or something, (laughs) but just like with this heavy hitting funk, it was just like the sickest thing I've ever, it was so cool. It's it's so tasteful. Yeah. I mean, it's no one's ever going to, um, you know, accuse that band of being anything but professional. Yeah. They're so good. <laughs> right. yeah. the tightest thing around. Literally, yeah. I remember I was listening to a podcast with him and he was talking about how they like, they did, they put the drums in last or something like, like they maybe had a scratch drum track, but then they put all the drums in last. So they were able to line up all of the horn stabs and drum hits like just to a fucking T. And that's like one of the ways that they can just get it to like punch so hard. I'm kidding. The, uh, yeah, they, we'll go back to this, but like they, they played at the Elm, mm-hmm. um, in the last year yeah. with Sierra Hall. Nice. And, uh, it's a fun it, pairing. It was very cool. It was, what was, I mean, the most fun part about it was at one point, uh, Corey was like, okay, we're all going to, um, we're basically everybody in the band is going to play instruments that are no bigger than Sierra's instrument. And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so oh like, tiny bass. He had like a custom, no he had a custom strat, the Fender custom shop made what? him a little tiny strat. Oh the drummer God. was on a kit. Like the, you know, the, the fucking Tom was like the size of this can. <laughs> Like it was, and, that's awesome. and it was good. <laughs> I got, I'll find a video of that. That's amazing. And it was like it was really, really good. They did that. Um, and this is like a really um bumpy transition into this. But uh, <laughs> what, what about hearing Aaron Rodgers um, attributing his MVP winning season? to ayahuasca i loved it man <laughs> so like i've always i've been a green Bay packer fan my whole yeah, life why uh what my was... dad's side of the family's from wisconsin and so his brother-in-law got me into him like pretty early on and uh i've just always like i'm not a huge sports fan i just fucking love the green bay packers mm-hmm. and it's always stuck with me i love the fact that they're community owned mm-hmm. and yeah. the like the just the mentality of being a Green Bay Packer, I feel like it's like a very like wholesome thing. I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. I think it's great. Have you been you've been to games? Or? I went to my first Lambo game last year. 
I uh, went to Seahawks Packers and then I my friends I grew up in Alaska and so my friends were almost all Seahawks fans it was the closest team and so I'd usually fly out whenever the Packers were playing the Seahawks it always had been in um, Seattle for some reason we were at the Phil Mary game that was my first <laughs> first NFL <laughs> yeah. game and uh, but yeah I've, I'd seen a lot of away Packer games Seattle Minnesota and then um, finally got to go to Lambeau for the first time last and? year it was great. <laughs> Shut out. It was awesome. Cold November game. Wore bright bright orange and a Crosby jersey, I think. And yeah, it was a good good experience. Saw Adam Gruel from Horseshoes out there. And yeah, it's a good time. Dude, Mason but, Crosby is I mean legend. Yeah. He's fucking legend. He's like, he was playing at C U when I was at C S U. I was fucking kicking our ass. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a, it's 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 awesome to watch longevity in a player exactly like that, you know yeah um, and and Aaron Rodgers the same way and and what I like amongst the things that I really loved about that conversation and and I guess that came out like around this time last year maybe something uh like, the one with Aubrey yeah that was no that was like last August was it okay so, so not, it was like yeah, six so months ago. not too long ago and um I remember listening to it and like going right to my team and being like I wish more dudes talked like this to one another, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, we need, I was like, you guys need to listen to this. And they're like, you know, some, I mean, some of those guys are a little, little square uh-huh. than I, but like, um, you know, certainly capable of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, it was, I'd never heard like two, two dudes, you know, speak so openly, um, you know, mm-hmm. and so just, just with a, a complete open mind and with, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that vulnerability was necess- is necessarily the r- the right way of I mean, they were, it, but they were definitely c- being vulnerable. Certainly very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but but they didn't. They never lost. They never lost any strength. Mm-hmm. You know, through through that through that process. And yeah. Um. You know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers can say or do whatever he wants, and he's like learned that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it. I think it's unfortunate that. Um, the follow-up season didn't like turn out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it did, man. I really wish it did, but yeah. I mean, but there's but. some things to be grateful for. I mean, Christian Watson was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. you know, watching that guy yeah. play. No, like, I think the future is bright, whether Aaron's there or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be fun. It'll be cool once he does move on to retirement or another team. I think it'll be, it'll, it'll be a fun new experience because I grew up with Brett Favre and then it was Aaron yeah. Rodgers and that's all I've ever known. So, which God Favre was so fun to watch. I mean, I hope it, it, it always, the one thing that bums me out about Favre is like the legacy. Yeah. <laughs> it's know? a little tainted these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Such a bummer. I mean, yeah. dick pics and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, yeah, and that's that, was, that was, was that like the first like celebrity dick pic? Might've been. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was when he went to the Jets though. That was after he was true, on the Packers. True, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, he's not throwing dick pics. <laughs> is that where he's go? Is that is that where the rumors uh, are? I think it was a likely one, but we'll see. I mm-hmm. would just love it if he finished out in Green Bay, but yeah. we'll see. Fucking I'm a. Open to whatever at this point. We just got love for him. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I got some results back recently that um, were less than ideal. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, my test is sitting. Um, around 420 dude same really okay so so yours is an improvement 380 380 i think i was at 320 and now i'm at 380 so um 
you know, one of the things in my, my estradiol was kind of high. My, mm-hmm. uh, sex hormone mm-hmm. binding globule globule was not, uh, ideal either. Um, now I'm 40, you know, so, so there's, there's certainly I that. I did not know you were 40. Well, I'll be 40. For 40. I'll be, thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll be 40 in November. Okay. Um, so on, you know, compared to most dudes my age that aren't mm-hmm. on TRT, yeah. you know, um, fairly normal. And this, you know, obviously gets me thinking about like, why, you know, mm-hmm. what, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Yeah. You know, what, what needs to be focused on? And, and I think the first thing that probably comes to a lot of people's mind when, when confronted with these numbers in their own life is like, do I, do I go on TRT? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm intrigued, like, honestly, like, like, is there a, a good way to do it? Is it ethical? Is it like, can you do it without long-term side effects is, I don't know. Is it a biohacking technique or is it just cheating? You right. Know? The, so I mean, I would have always, my understanding is, um, you don't go off of it, Yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and, um, the likelihood of your lifespan being shortened is near guaranteed. Um, interesting. Now do you know, does that mean 84 versus 88, Mm -hmm. you know, does that mean 65 versus 85 like yeah. you know i think there's i mean obviously there are all kinds of other factors yeah. that are, that are going to go into that um what began to scare me is it's you go on trt and you you need to address all of these other you know, hormonal functions that, mm-hmm. that pop up or dysfunctions that yeah. pop up as, as a result of that, you know? So it's like, not just TRT. It's like, okay, well, here's your Clomid, you know, here's, okay. here's your fucking boner pills, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> you know, like all these other things yeah. to make sure that, you know, you're, you don't wind up shrinking your balls and, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't grow fucking man titties and like, <laughs> you know, or get like, you know, I mean, you're going, you're like going to get back knee. You're like, you yeah. know, like there's just all these, these other things about it. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, there's gotta be like, like, let's, let's look at the ways that we can yeah. optimize elsewhere, you know? So, well, and also why is it low? And mm-hmm. what if that is just a normal function of, of a male body? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And yeah, it's like, like, what are, you know, when I, when I look at the things that are typically associated with low T, I mean, the only thing that I can really assign to myself would be, um, you know, some hair loss, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm, that's going to happen too. Like, like I'm probably going to lose some hair going on, yeah. TRT, mm-hmm. you know, which I, I'm not saying I'm going on it, but, yeah. um, you know, I will probably constantly be thinking about it until or not it's not it does not weigh heavily on every second of everything <laughs> yeah. that I do every day you know but but um uh, certainly weekly I'm like hmm, should I do it mm-hmm. uh, but uh you know what what am what am I suffering from um you know all of the libido stuff I feel great about happy mm-hmm. about and like quite frankly like you know being able at this point in my life to like actually have the wherewithal 
and the control to not just be like following my boner wherever it wants to go <laughs> is yeah. like kind of a nice thing. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, like there's, there's all these aspects. I'm like, the only thing that really bugs me is, you know, some perceived lack of motivation, brain fog, like that kind of shit, yep. you know, like that's the stuff that, um, I find to be more debilitating than the rest of it, totally. you know, like, like you can, uh, the right diet and the right, the right strength training. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, right diet, right strength training, um, seems to be like getting me, getting, you know, getting me where I want physique wise, you know, yeah. like, am I fucking jacked and like just peeled and ripped? Like, you know, no, but like, I don't know that I, I like need I to, be, to be, right? yeah. <laughs> you know? I would like to be strong. I don't give a shit if I'm like, fucking. yeah, yeah. I need, I need to have, I need to be able to like functionally, you know, excel. Exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, um, looking good naked is just like a, a nice added bonus. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so I look at um, ways that I can address those aspects, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause yes, I, I, there are some hacks that we can, that we can use to, to work on, you know, um, working on our testosterone production. I mean, there's, I was telling you about lactobacillus ruteri, yep. which in mice, I don't know, have you, did you get a chance to look into it? No, not really. So, I mean, I, well, I, it, I skimmed the, I read the summaries of those articles. But. Yeah. So, you know, and that's the thing. It's like some, oftentimes a lot of the science behind these things is, um, derived from, you know, one or two studies in mice yep. and, and we, we make some, you know, we do some mental gymnastics yeah, and and give them a shot. Um, I mean, it does not appear for me that, that Ruteri has been very effective mm-hmm. or at least the, you know, the source that I took. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I can, I'm probably going to effectively eliminate that Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I've got a, uh, evolved um, opinion of of where probiotics should should be, yep. what role they should mm-hmm. play in our life, and um, you know, I just don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's it's necessary for me. You know, yeah. so like, I, I probably wouldn't. I mean, because it didn't necessarily do anything for me. I guess what I okay. I will say this. Um, so I've I've uh, my path with Ruteri began over a year ago mm-hmm. and when i first started taking it for the first in the, within the first uh 120 days my balls were definitely bigger hey. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so there's you know but i was also like losing weight and, mm-hmm. and gaining muscle and like not fucking jerking off all the time yep. <laughs> you know so mm-hmm. like i mean there's there's probably something to be said about the rest of, you know, the, the, yeah, you have to factor in everything. And I also think that I've tried a few things for not necessarily for testosterone, but I've tried a few things where they work for a little bit and then they don't. And then I take them again and they don't really do much. And I think a lot of that has to do with like, if you are deficient a little bit in something, getting it back will give you that boost that you think you're missing, but then you're back to baseline and it doesn't really, you can't really get above that very well or getting above that with the nutrient level doesn't really do anything for you You just piss it out or whatever Mm -hmm. i found that i think with pine pollen i don't notice much of an effect from it anymore 
and from maca as well that seems to help a little bit but like when i first took these things it was like oh my god is this what i've been missing my whole life like it's almost like a drug or something mm -hmm. i mean it was like incredible the amount of the brain fog was gone i had so much energy didn't need any caffeine like libido was super high all everything was like pointing in the right direction and then it just kind of tapered off and i can't get it back mm -hmm. not that they're like gone but it's just like now i'm just baseline again right do yeah so i mean uh what what else are you i mean i guess the other you know some of the other things that i've messed with like when it comes to you know again like the functions that i'm trying to to work on like mm -hmm. you know is yeah is that 420 number bad uh, maybe not mm -hmm. but like is lack of motivation bad yes yeah. so, <laughs> you <laughs> totally. know, so um you know and i was telling you about um i mean the things that concern me because because yeah i'm i'm like a lot of what we do just like you said earlier this is about like prevention as much as it's about optimization yeah you know and so you know i want to prevent some of these like deleterious effects of, of, of aging and in, in up yeah. here, mm -hmm. you know, like that seems to be where, yeah. where, uh, it's, it's really easy to see, you know, the outward manifested expression of your hard work in the gym mm -hmm. or with your diet or yep. whatever. Um, but it's far more esoteric to, uh, see, you know, what your progress of motivation looks like you yeah. know so mm -hmm. so the the kind of you know preventative measures i'm using i look towards what is being done for treatment of like alzheimer's patients or mm -hmm. treatment for dementia yeah um, and that's kind of how cognizant or it's called cytocholine that's mm -hmm. how that came on my radar which is uh -huh. is it like a um a precursor to phosphatidyl serine um, which is, familiar, but. it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think the easiest way to describe it is it's like lube for your neurons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, increases neuronal plasticity, okay. you know, it keeps you, keeps you like just, I, I find that, you know, again, just like with, with these other things, like becoming, becoming dependent on something, you know, or taking something every single day is you're going to, there's going to be diminishing returns, mm -hmm. you know, 12 weeks or whatever, yeah. however long it may take. And so I look at putting together, combining these things like, uh, cytocholine, um, with some caffeine, mm -hmm. um, with the fulvic acid, which again is just another neuroprotective element. Yep. You know, I look at these as, I mean, for better or worse, like a, a stimulant, you know, I, I look Absolutely. at them like to, um, as not necessarily something I want. I don't, I don't want to like take anything every single day except fucking two pounds of really good grass finished <laughs> yes. red meat. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, like I don't want to be dependent on something, mm -hmm. but, um, I also don't want it just I, I don't want to be dependent on having to do things that I don't like that require me to take a drug to do them to enjoy them either. Yeah. You know, so it it's not just about the substance being consumed, or, you know, or the the pathway trying to to be, um, you know, reengineered. It, it's about looking at that on a, you know, of, like in your life, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like like 
beginning to build everything that's in front of you um, as something that you always want to be doing. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, and and beginning, and that's that's a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the kind of thing that 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 no, um, you know, no prophylactic or like nothing is is going to to change. You yeah. know, and, and so and especially you know when it comes to just um, being dependent on something. And so what I look to, what I look to find where I look to find benefit from or ways that I can physically and, and intentionally uh, alter the path of my next five minutes, five hours, you know, five days. And, and the things that seem to work the best every time um, long term, you know, and that don't uh, lose their efficacy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very few of them, but one of them is transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, do you meditate? Yes. And what's your? What, do you want to talk about that, or you want to? Um, it? I'm very inconsistent, but mm-hmm. just just like five to ten minutes of breathing basically is is what I do. Um, sometimes I'll do guided morning meditations, but um, nothing crazy. Just just breath work, mm-hmm. really. And that it helps so much. I just never do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't never do it, but. It's so inconsistent. Not as much as you'd like. You exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I mean, when you know, TM is a, for better or worse, like this protected practice, you know, and, and, and part of the value of it is like how you first, when you hear people talking about TM before you've, you've like gone through, I actually don't know if I know what, what is trans transcendental meditation. So, um, it it was really brought to heightened prominence in the Western world by the Beatles. Okay. Um, so the Maharishi, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard of this yeah. person. Yeah. Um, so transcendental meditation is a, a mantra-based okay. um, uh, period of solitude. It's very simple. Um, you know, it's not meant to... Uh, it's It's... You don't, it, it's meant to basically, have you heard of, um, you know, non-sleep deep relaxation in SDR? Yeah. You've probably heard yeah. like Huberman mm-hmm. talk about it. Well, yeah. that's what TM taps into. Gotcha. Um, so it, you know, you do not need to have, you know, singing bowls ringing out, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to focus on your breath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a very simple process that, if you spend, if you dedicate the time periods that, you know, that you need to, to that sit, you're going to begin experiencing, uh, essentially, you know, the way it's best described is think about an ocean and on top, the ocean is turbulent. You know, you go out to the middle of the ocean and it's like huge fucking waves, mm-hmm. like just, I mean, massive, powerful, destructing, like, yep. Well, if you travel like a hundred meters down, it's completely quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and this is probably something you're familiar with, yeah. like you know, from from your you know early days. And so, hey, that's that's what TM taps into, and you you know, it's these alpha brain waves that um, that okay. you can only access, you know, through this deep relaxation mm-hmm. that um, is accessed through your individual mantra and. Um, you know, there's a, 
series of of yoga movements as well that mm -hmm. uh you know that people will do there's a um tm definitely offers a lot of opportunities for collective consciousness where you have the opportunity to practice with a lot of other people okay um and that's surprisingly powerful mm -hmm. um you know again it's the same thing like you need to find you know, depending on if you, you can do it with just the sits, you can do it with the prescribed amount of time, you can do it with less. I find like when you do it the way they teach you to do it, that uh -huh. it's like, <laughs> you know, the way that's been passed down from, for traditions for yeah. 2000 years that, mm -hmm. that that seems to be the most effective. And, okay. and that's kind of why they like try to, they want to protect it because, you know, so basically like you have to pay to, to yeah. like learn, learn the technique. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's that, that should not dissuade people from doing it because it's not that expensive mm -hmm. and they're like easy people to work with. Yeah. And, um, are there like classes that you go to in so, person? So, yeah. So oddly enough, uh, I learned TM right across this, the, the, in that building right now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Nice. So like when I signed up for it, they're all, is that what the, like the ladies are doing over there all the time? Amongst other things. Okay. Yeah. So like one, the, there's a, a fellow that works over there. Okay. Um, and he like rents an office space to, to do these, these, uh, these kind of like the little workshops. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, when you do it, so, um, you know, there's a ritual mm -hmm. at the beginning and, um, uh, you know, it seems kind of strange, but like, <laughs> uh, but you know, like, whatever, this is the yeah. deal and I'm going to do it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're paying for it. So you're invested in it and, yeah. um, you go and you do it and it's a fairly moving experience right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for several days after you have, uh, in-person, uh, opportunities to, you know, spend time making sure, and, and, you know, you need to be practicing obviously like right from the get go. Okay. And ideally you're practicing every day, yeah. twice a day at least. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, what I can say is the opportunities in which I get to engage in the, the, the collective process, um, are extremely powerful. Uh, the, the times where I do the full, um, full yoga sequence as well is it, that's a great way to, um, to improve the practice. Okay. None of that's even necessary if you mm -hmm. don't want to, because the two sits a day, like doing those provides, um, an incredible amount of benefit on mm -hmm. any given day. My, my patience, my clarity, like, you know, even, even not like, even if I have to miss, I, you know, I do it every week, mm -hmm. you know, I probably get, anywhere between four and six a week, you yeah. know, when I first started doing it, it was every day, twice a day, yeah. you know, and when, and, and when did you start uh, around this time last year? Cool. So, so before that though, I started, uh, you know, this is again, like you get, you hear about TM through Jerry Seinfeld and mm -hmm. like, <laughs> you yeah. know, like all these people <laughs> who, you know, I mean, more or less most of them are like very high functioning individuals yeah you know so it's easy to to assign some value to this practice mm -hmm. through through the people that are you know some of its biggest proponents yeah and but but prior to that i had learned about it from a dear friend of mine who uh, had had terrible substance abuse issues you know got off the shit and mm -hmm. um, began focusing 
on on mindfulness is a first, it seems yeah. like a, a first step that everybody yep. kind of gets into mm-hmm. and um you know that he recommended to me um he's like get the calm app you know he's like yeah. just start with that mm-hmm. you know like that's 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 going to be like the best gateway yeah you know to to exploring mm-hmm. you know to finding equanimity totally in yourself and and um and it was you know so i did the calm app for about a year mm-hmm. before um, before I started is that like guided meditations or what is yeah, calm? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like exactly. Insight timer or something. Yeah, okay. exactly. Very similar to insight timer. Um, you know, we've got uh, kind of like some. There's like some influencers on there, you know, and and, and yeah. like there's like LeBron runs one. And totally. like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, but like, but there's but there are also uh, folks who are you know. There's a, this guy, Jay Shetty, he, he runs, he, I, I really liked his, Jay was a, was a monk for a while and now he's become kind of this mindfulness influencer, but he's just got this very calming voice and a, and a, and a you yeah. know, great delivery and, cool. and, and has wonderful things to, to let you know. And so some of these, these guided meditations will kind of present a, an idea for the day mm-hmm. to you. Um, and then kind of, you know, let's take you on a path for anywhere from, you know, you want, you want a six minute one, you want a 14 minute yeah, one, you know, totally. like, well, what are you looking for? Yeah. You know, what do you have time for? Mm-hmm. What I've come to learn is that, um, you know, obviously like we're always like, oh, I don't have time to do this. I'm mm-hmm. busy or whatever. And like, that's like being busy is a choice you make. You know, I'm realizing that <laughs> every day in my fucking to-do list, man. God damn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's so nice to be able to compartmentalize like all the shit that you have to do into a list, but then you have to fucking do it. Yeah. And I do that every day and it's like, oh, I don't know. Do you ever, uh, I, I call it debriefing, but like I will, cause I like to make lists too. I don't mm-hmm. do it all the time. I yeah. do find when I make a list, I like, it's more likely that I'm going to complete those tasks, you know? Yes. Um, but oftentimes what I do is I'll complete some tasks in a day and then go back, like retroactively make a list and like check them off. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's some sense of accomplishment. It feels great to just strike them off. That's for sure. I've already done them, you know? Like, um, so yeah, I mean like that's, that's the thing. It's like, can you, can you find, you know, in the case of TM or whatever, like, can you find that, that 40 minutes in your day? Like as of right now, I don't know. Like that's one of the hard things about being on the road and going home. It's like, there's so much stuff that builds up when I'm, when I'm on the road Mm -hmm. that when I get home, that's when the, like I have so much shit that I actually have to do, Mm -hmm. especially now with the baby coming and everything like we've just been so busy, um, on the road. It depends. It's like, I think I could choose to find time, but right now it doesn't feel like there's time. Yeah. I think I could, I could, but it would be hard. It, it, so absolutely. I think if it hasn't become, you know, habitual for you and mm-hmm. even if, when it, when it has, like I was, I was only able to make that practice work because I live by myself and I had mm-hmm. a private office at work, Yeah, you know? So like there were absolutely two times in the day that I could find to like to tell it to shut myself completely out. There's no personal space <laughs> on the road. There's none. The only like, like the, one of the main reasons, what well, a huge factor of why I get up and go to the gym every day that I can is because that is time where I can be in my own world. Mm-hmm. The rest of the day we're, we're all catering to each other. There's mm-hmm. always stuff going on. And not to mention like, 
the people like how many people you have to cater to pre-show mm-hmm. post-show like yeah it's gotta be non yeah it's just fucking non-stop yep. like that's gotta be draining for do you consider yourself a private person do you consider yourself an Absol- introvert yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah which i think that's one of the reasons why i loved getting into music in the first place is because i could be a fake extrovert while being on stage and I didn't have to talk to anyone. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I could get that like rush of being an extrovert, but like I'm not at all. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's that's the like I said, I mean those that practice, like yeah, you can you can find the time. I know. It, it is I a, just it is to, a, I would just have yeah, to do it. Yeah. Like that's exactly. the thing. It's like how many fucking times do I sit on my phone for 40 minutes? Exactly. You know? Like, yeah. God, that I is know. fucked up. <laughs> and that's, that one's so fucked up because you, myself, like all, so many of us are so aware of that. Yeah. We're like, hyper, Self, self-aware. Yeah. Of it. Like yeah. It's we are hyper cognizant that, that like, that we are actively wasting time. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we can, you know, I like to think that I'm improving things, but you know, I'll go for a little streak of doing well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a day like yesterday comes about, I'm sure I haven't, I don't want to look at my screen time from yesterday. I, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, yeah. like, that'll provide like more harm. You totally. know, like I just know it was bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I mean, I also like, I wouldn't want to just get rid of it because like, I've learned so much. I've like, like this entire health journey that I've been on has been through my fucking phone. I know. But like, I don't know. It's, I don't even know if it's worth it. It's like, it's so crazy. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's why I love like, like this medium right here. I mean, mm-hmm. like the, just the access to people yeah. and thoughts and mm-hmm. knowledge that, that we all have now. I mean, you know, like I will never, there's, we'll never run out of things to learn. Yeah. Like, and, and that is equal parts inspiring and, um, you know, certainly plays into, kind of like our inability to like have the attention to sit down for 40 minutes and focus on ourselves <laughs> yes. and our thoughts. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, and yeah. And that's, that's like, that's the trickiest part because I mean, you know, it's kind of like quickly going back to when, you know, you left the engineering job and like not being able to get any writing done, mm-hmm. you know, while you were doing it, it's the same thing. Like, because now like, yeah, you've got, you've got this, you've got a career in music, you know, like you've, you've doing what you wanted to do for a long time, you know, like, but you're also exploring these other parts of your life that like, I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, you're like, like imagine, you know, what you could be doing, like how, imagine how optimized you'd be if you didn't have music to do. You know? oh, so, yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, but like, obviously you gotta be, I mean, that's not like, you gotta be whole and, and, yeah. and, uh, and, and satisfied, but, it, but it's the same thing. Like when the more interested that we, we, we get because we've got this access to all of these incredibly, incredibly motivating people mm-hmm. and, and ideas and, um, you know, access to new tools for biohacking and all this kind of stuff, like the, the, the propensity, the, you know, the likelihood that we begin to distract ourselves from, you know, the things that, that can actually, the things that are actually bringing us a lot of joy, mm-hmm. like it, it, that, that, 
there's they, they can be inverse yeah you know like the the constant pursuit of perfection like can you know can sometimes cause us to um to be unhappy absolutely i realized that about <laughs> yeah. a year ago and i like toned down like i was just going balls to the walls with like everything i could find like buying every little whatever it was and just partly just to see if it would work. Uh-huh. Like I love just experimenting on myself safe, mm-hmm. as safely as I could. And, um, and then I realized I needed to stop looking for new things and just figuring out what things I already had that work and just stick with those. Right. And I think it's gotten a lot more manageable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, again, like not to say like, I mean, it's all, it's all tools, you know, yes. like, but your, your tools can, you know, they, they can grow dull over mm-hmm. time, you know, and, and, and some of them are easier to sharpen than the others. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about, again, I mean, this is a personal journey. Like what, what works for me might not work for you. However, you know, at, at, at our core, like we're no different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, all the humans are, are run by this, you know, any kind of any eukaryotic organism, we're being fueled by the same thing. Yeah. You know, our processes are really no different. Mm -hmm. And that's why you hear, that's why like, that's why we can, you know, adopt, adapt to, um, you know, a diet that some influencer told us about and your experience can be, you know, as beneficial as mine, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because we're not that different. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it doesn't matter. So like, so yeah, I mean, there's, again, it, it becomes, it's like, what, what are the things that have, you know, time and time again, you know, cause a, a small immediate benefit that as, is as beneficial as the hidden long-term mm-hmm. result, you know, like, I mean, so the thing like meditation, like feels good right away feels good at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, if it like feels good, you know, if you're continuing that practice and building on it, yep. you know, um, cold exposure, cold exposure, my, my version exactly. of that for sure. Cold exposure. Like it just like finding the 20, 40 minutes or whatever to sit down and meditate is painful. Mm-hmm. Like going to, I mean, just g- jumping into a cold shower, like the, the, uh, even a cold, sh- like cold shower. I mean, it's, it's never like, the, it's not fun. No, it never, never gets yeah. easier. Like I was late it, today because I had to get my cold shower <laughs> in. I'm not yeah. going to lie. And then right. I, I like, I literally just stopped shivering right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you got to but do But I feel like, fucking great. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy I did it. I'm sorry I was late, uh, no. but it was like, I had, I, that's where it was one point where like, I, I made the time. I had to make that fucking yeah. time. No, I would want it no other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, that's, I mean. Yeah, like it, it, it is those things that I mean. If you're if you're in any way sacrificing, then it's probably a beneficial mm-hmm. uh, endeavor. Yeah, you know, like anything that that's hard, it means you're, you're growing. It's like hormesis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, explain hormesis. Just, uh, I think that just the base concept is stressing your body in some way will help it grow to prevent that stress in the future like your body grows to adapt to it. And so you can have environmental hormesis, like cold exposure, heat exposure, or you can have, uh, what's the nutritional version of it. Um, but like eating plants that have defense chemicals Mm -hmm. in them. One theory is that your body, um, gets like a little bit harmed by them and then grows stronger because of, because of it. Right. Yeah. The, the idea of, of like plants or, 
you know, anything being necessarily good or bad is probably not right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I can't say for sure that like, no, actually I will say for sure. Like having a little bit of sugar is not bad for you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, your body not, runs on. Not, yeah. Like not inherently just bad for you to enjoy a treat. Yeah. You know, like, however, you know, it's, it's a very addictive substance. I don't know if you you're know? getting any hormesis from sugar. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah. No, probably not. Yeah, you're just getting a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, again, that's, that's a, sugar is a great, uh, a great example of, you know, the small immediate benefit mm -hmm. being far outpaced by the like long-term hidden damages. And at this point they're not hidden. Yeah. You know, like we, we know like what, what's, what's going to, what's going to happen down the road. Mm -hmm. But, but something like cold exposure is the inverse, you know, where you, You've got, so there's the time period leading up to getting cold. Mm -hmm. That's you the know? worst part. It, it sucks. It's the worst, that's worse than being in the cold by far. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely sucks. Yeah, the cold is fairly manageable, you yeah. know, inside of After, it. After, yeah, it's like, I think my body's like two and a half minutes. Then mm -hmm. I f start to feel okay in the, in the cold. But yeah, the leading up to it is by far the worst. And the first, the first couple minutes is like physical pain mm. for sure. But how, after that, so how cold and how often? What's your format? Is it always well, just cold, cold showers? showers? Is, is just the most easiest? accessible yeah. thing. Mm. Um, anytime we have like days off, it's I always try to find a river or something. Mm. Um, and I mean, yeah, if, if there's an ice bath accessible to me somewhere, I'm gonna definitely fucking do it. Um, you should put that in the rider one day, dude. <laughs> <laughs> ice barrel. Uh, yeah, we were staying at an Airbnb for uh, New Year's this year in Salt Lake, and it was like a super old Victorian house, and they had like one of the big like uh, foot bathtubs, yeah. or not foot bathtubs, but like bathtubs that have the like big feet on them. And so it was like super deep and the water, I, I swear to God, I didn't have a thermometer, but I swear to God, it was like 36 degrees. It mm -hmm. was so cold. And so I would just fill that thing up every day. It was great. I loved it. Um, but I think you can find, you can find cold exposure pretty much anywhere you go. I mean, I was taking cold showers in Florida. It was Northern Florida, but I was still getting the same, even though not as drastic, but the same effect. You just have to shock your body a little bit. Right. I mean, you can... I mean, fuck sake, like take your shirt and pants off and go stand outside yes. in the winter time on your porch. Totally. <laughs> you or know? like walk your dog yeah. in a t-shirt and shorts. Yeah, like it, exactly. Yeah. Take your sunglasses off, take the jacket off. Like, yeah. like we, we don't, it's like all of the problems we've developed are because of the things we're trying to like protect ourselves yeah. from, like or the things we're using to protect ourselves exactly. from like what we have access to. Yeah. <laughs> have you looked into like the light exposure? blue light stuff. Yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's becoming very apparent that, um, I mean, I put, I put my phone in my microwave when I go to bed at nice. night, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm not exactly sure that it helps, but uh -huh. you know, it's a Faraday cage. Like, yeah, I'm, it, I'm wearing a Faraday shirt. Right oh now. no shit. I got blue light blocking <laughs> glasses on. <laughs> I'm full tinfoil hat I, at this I didn't, point. I didn't know they made, uh, like, there was, like, outer, there's, there like, clothing. Yeah, yeah, this is a company called Lambs. I have mm -hmm. underwear, shirts, hats. The main thing, the this, I mean, anecdotal, but, like, I notice it flying. 
it is so apparent i don't get jet lag i like i feel fine after flying i wear i wear shirt underwear and a hat like a beanie cool and it helps so much no and shit. so and we have like wireless packs and stuff now so i'd, I'd try to wear it when we're playing mm-hmm. um and i've tested it like with my phone it pretty much cuts down the wi-fi the cell signal still gets through a little bit but i mean it it's something yeah i don't know and that's one of those things where they haven't really been publishing a lot and i think it's just going to be a time will tell i'd rather be on the safe side than Mm -hmm. not like i don't want to be a crazy tinfoil hat person but like we really don't know at this point have no fucking clue i mean we certainly we have enough evidence to suggest that that there's a problem yeah like i mean there's there's whether or not it's directly related to that like there's no doubt we've developed um the need for more you know we we, we're just Mm -hmm. constantly waiting for you know the next fucking like or the next cool vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, or like whatever it may be. It's like, you know, it's hard to make us happy. Yeah. Um, um, we're content. Uh, and so like, that's, that's apparent, you know, so there's bound to be something else. I mean, anecdotally, like the nights that I don't fall asleep with my iPad in bed, mm-hmm. like are invariably more restful. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like it, do I like what I love to the mornings that I don't look at my phone for an hour, mm-hmm. you know, are, I need to get are far more peaceful. Yes. You know, like just, I mean, the only problem I find is, uh, the longer I stave off my activity with the outside world in the morning, the longer I begin my like outwardly productive day Mm -hmm. you know like if i if i like that that's i guess the one like the one major downside to like pursuing um to optimizing your your health and well-being is uh the oftentimes like how addictive it gets that it that it like takes up a lot of time that you would otherwise be doing like other more productive or productive things whatever they may be Mm -hmm. you know like I mean, I I spend the time I spend at the Bozeman Hot Springs in a given week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a full time job, but it's a part time job. Totally. <laughs> God, I love that place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the gym's fantastic. The yep. sauna's fantastic. Dude, you what know, time is it? Uh, we're looking at one forty five. It's not a, a, the only thing. I guess it's a Saturday. I was going to say, you want to go out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I don't like about the hot springs is, uh, you know, and I, and, and quite frankly, you know, I, you got to learn to, to appreciate the fact that it's not there every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that it's nice having delayed gratification totally. sometimes, you yeah. know, um, you know, it makes you it's like you got to have a little poverty to enjoy your toys, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You need the dynamic of <laughs> yeah. life for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's not like there's not a fucking another gym, and it's not like there's a fucking Gallatin River's not right over there. We could jump in if we yeah. felt so That's inclined. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's obviously trade offs, but it's, again, there's, there are a lot of, a lot of hours, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to be had. And, mm-hmm. um, I get, yeah, I don't want to even look at what, uh, what the, the, the amount of time spent on our, on our devices over the last five years, 
I mean, I could probably be an expert at something like that. I, that, oh I, that I know God, nothing about, absolutely. right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. God, yeah, it's really crazy. very proficient. How did, uh, how did you uh, become, um, how did, how did you become like the de facto mechanic? of the group. I mean, that without, without you, like <laughs> that, like, I mean, every like good touring band probably needs one. Right. I'm sure like many, many, many a tour has probably sure. been derailed from somebody not knowing like from nobody yeah, knowing I'm, how to I'm get the sure. truck back. Well, yeah. On we've the seen that before. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just grew up with trucks and boats and small engines, mm-hmm. what have you. My dad was pretty instrumental in like getting me to learn about, um, how combustion engines work mm-hmm. from a pretty young age. Uh, I homeschooled for half a year in fifth grade and I took ground school, like flight school. Hmm. Um, Wait, in sixth grade, fifth, fifth grade. grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I passed all the tests, but I, I wasn't young enough to fly. So, or I wasn't old enough to fly solo. So I didn't ever get my license. It's something I got to go back and do. I really want to do that. Um, but during that time, my dad um, taught me a lot about engines. And at our high school, we had a lot of vocational programs. So I took small engine repair, auto mechanics. And then I, would, I was taking, I think, like diesel, heavy diesel through the college at the same time. Like I just always loved awesome, loved motors and stuff. So I just grew up with it. I, I've had a diesel truck my whole life. And always tinker with it i'm always tinkering with stuff so where so can you recall i mean particularly do you have any like compelling tales of times where like you've saved the day <laughs> and like like we're we're like a show that would have otherwise been doomed like was oh, saved or, man. or like a leg know. of a tour or like because <laughs> like you know there's probably i mean i've done a lot of like simple shit just mm-hmm. like changing tires and i think it's it's sometimes it's less of like what I can do on the side of the road and just knowing what needs to be done. Like, can we, can we fix, is this a fixable problem? Mm -hmm. And most of the work, it's not flashy like that. It's like what I'm doing outside the studio for two weeks before we leave. Yeah. That's, that's what, you know, I mean, we're manufacturing operation, you know, like we, we run, you know, what's called our, our TPM total productive maintenance or total profitable manufacturing. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like everything is on, is on a schedule, you know, of when it need, you know, if this machine's gone through this many cycles, it's time to fucking do this to it. You yep, know, totally like that prevents downtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Without that, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, I'm tying, I'm trying to tie this back. Like that's, that's what I think we're, we're doing, you know, by, by trying to do these, these daily kind of, kind of rituals. Exactly. You know? And all the health stuff. It's like preventative. Yeah. Like, yeah uh your pr deadlift record or whatever that's the flashy fixing the van on the side of the road to get to the gig (laughs) but all the shit that you do before that is that's that's the changing the oil and painting the van and shit yeah it's far more important (laughs) yeah far that's all that's all the dirty work Mm -hmm. that all comes in but how much longer you want to be in that fucking big stupid van Small stupid man. I would live in that fucking thing, man. I love it. (laughs) I think everybody else is tired of it, but (laughs) no. I mean, we're about to. We're we're over four hundred thousand miles on it. We'll probably hit five hundred by the end of the year. 
Uh, we have a bandwagon rented for the spring, which is nice. like the mid. It's not a full bus, but it has bunks and stuff on it, and we have a driver and all that. Who's so, that? Like just some rando or? No, it's um our friend Lynn. She is she works with horseshoes and hand grenades a lot. She drove for them, and she has a CDL. So I think she drives trucks cool. too. So she's badass, mechanically yeah. inclined, and hell yeah, yeah. So I think that'll be great, but. We'll see how it goes. I also get super car sick, so I'm a little bit nervous about that. Have you ever like fucking blown chunks in the yeah. van? <laughs> no, not in the van because I'm always driving. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I lit- oh man, like two weeks ago, I was watching the last Packers game of the season, and I was like really into it. And we were in a rental like minivan, and I was like, "Fuck it, I don't care. I'll get in the back seat. Let me finish the game." I was watching it on my phone. And it was like a 20-minute drive, and by the end, I was like literally throwing up in my mouth. It was so bad. I couldn't even watch the end of the game. I, it was awful. So I got to figure that out if we're going to be in a bus. But I mean, it, that's that's going to – is that the kind of thing like, – can you all sleep in the band, like in the, in the bandwagon? There's nine bunks. No shit. Yeah. Cool. Nine bunks, a little – I think like a little kitchen thing and like a couch in the front and yeah. Dope. I wonder what that's going to be like. I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Less personal space yeah, I mean, yeah. and no gym. That's that's one thing. I oh, wow. Yeah. There's so always a trade-off. There's, yeah, definitely yeah, a trade-off. One, one person gets shit on and everybody else is fucking <laughs> comfort. <laughs> dude, dude we, we have banned gym day. Everybody's in the gym now. Oh, good. It's great. Yeah. We're all, we all hit the gym. It's, it's good. It's funny when we all, like everybody kind of like wanders in and like, oh, well, now we're all here. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, that's the like that. Like, that's what you're striving for, you know. It's like not everybody is going to find themselves, you know, on the path, mm-hmm. you know, at the same exact time, yeah. you know. When it just because it's right for for you right now doesn't make it right for you, bro. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. And everybody I mean, finds a, just a different path that's right for them. It yeah. works for them. Maybe yeah. they don't. They have different motivations. They have different what they accept in life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's not a damn thing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but we've we've got we have a really great opportunity, you know, by hopefully, you know, these things that we're doing actually like working out and like and <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I, the, again, that's the other thing. I mean, we probably have less data on. On this, I, I don't know. Like, you know, yeah, what we're doing is evolutionarily appropriate, but like our ancestors also didn't have access to Cognizant and mm-hmm. like TRT. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or like canned also beverages. Eaten and, by fucking lions and shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing that people, people tend to, tend to forget about also when, you know, things like anxiety, you know, running away from a lion was like, that saved your, like, yeah, you needed to have some anxiety, yeah. you know, like these, those things are gifts, mm-hmm. you know, like if we can shift how we look at, um, you know, the damage, the, the per- perceived damage inflicted mm-hmm. on us by the ills of modern society and, and turn, turn and look at those things as, as gifts and opportunities yeah. to get stronger. Yep. Like that's, there's a, there's like this brain state, mind state that, at least I know I get in when there's like a, there's a problem and it's like my brain goes into just like when we're on the side of the road and it like, it's like a dangerous situation. And like, we have to get off the road or the van has to get fixed to do this. It's like 
not just do we have to get to the gig it's like a semi might fucking hit us right. it's snowing out or whatever my brain goes into like a hyper focused state and it's like fun yeah and <laughs> it's fun and it's similar to like a strategic video game or something mm-hmm. and it's like i feel like that has to be some sort of primal thing absolutely but i've noticed that and it's and ev- for like a week after an episode like that happens or event like that happens like i'm in it's like a cold shower it's Mm -hmm. like that sticks with me and it like it's a boost to serotonin or something Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is but and probably even i mean just like hearing you discuss that like you know it's like i've got like some norepinephrine being released or something it's like i'm stressed i'm a little like (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like it's like we're missing those crazy fucking events like Uh life-threatening events daily in our lives yeah and that's gotta be where anxiety and everything comes from no doubt about it yeah i mean it's yeah putting ourselves through through pain is is i mean it's how we build you know so well cool man that's that's a that's, a that's a great that's a great place to I think yeah. fucking wrap it up. Sounds great. Griff, fucking love a, you, Joe. Love you too. Thank dude. you, it's man. Been a fucking pleasure. Yeah, this is a hoot. This yeah. is, I mean, again, yeah, very very grateful for the the time we've gotten to spend together Same. over the years. Very grateful for right now. Great. Absolutely. Can't wait to see what comes next, dude. Hell yeah. Hell Same. Yeah. Okay. yeah, let's do this again. I'd love to. Yeah. Hell yeah. You the man, Joe. Likewise.